Welcome to the TTPOA podcast, a podcast for SWAT officers, military, and all first responders. We'll be talking training, tactics, and leadership with the best subject matter experts around. Here are your hosts, Derek and Brandon. Well, hello there, TTPOA podcast land. Brandon here. Hey, Derek, how's it going? Good, buddy. How about you, man? It's been busy. Yeah? Uh, been a busy time. Uh, got a, uh, a new uh, podcast that we're about to uh, talk about and release here, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because it's kind of a hot topic. It's very hot topic. Right now in the law enforcement tactical community. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tactics. Yeah, tactics. Yeah, so. So get your SWAT hands ready, boys and girls, because we're going to be talking tactics and all that that applies. And, and tactics and, uh, is a touchy subject, man. It's like yeah. politics and religion. Everybody yeah. has their opinion and uh, people have their uh, heels dug in on this and, um, you know, their way, my way, it's the right way, right? Yep. So yep, for sure. So, uh, man, we've had a lot of uh, people reach out to me. I know Derek is in, as well and, and our guest has as well. So our guest today is uh, Matt Smith with Dallas SWAT. How you doing, Matt? Well, how are you today? Good, man. Uh, man, Matt and I, Go back a, a, a little while, uh, last few years, training, training, uh, bringing him out for uh, hostage rescue and some other uh, dynamic entries and other classes that we have Dallas help us out with when we do cadre uh, classes in Region 7. Uh, so me and him developed a friendship over the last few years, and we've, we get a lot of time to kind of talk and evaluate what we're seeing out in the industry and, and things like that. So I don't know, what was that about, I don't know, four or five months ago, I kind of went with you because we were we were talking about this this same subject uh just what we're seeing in the industry with uh SWAT teams and so I asked you I said hey why don't you write a paper on this uh no knock knock warrant uh dynamic entry all these things that we throw out there and uh because we we talk about that a lot so you ended up doing that and it's it's funny it we got it about two weeks before uh this uh announcement came out from uh, the national tactical officers association and then so we had that and then you were texting me i had other people texting me so we were like man we need to get a, a podcast together and get this out there and and discuss it and uh here we are so matt welcome to the show appreciate you having me glad to be here now matt before you start man i i gotta do this okay so <laughs> the opinions that you're gonna hear tonight okay or today on the podcast are the opinion of the three people sitting here Okay, it's not the official stance of the TTPOA. Um, the official stance of the TTPOA, I'm going to read it for you guys. All right. Our organization's mission is to provide training. Officers and agencies decide on how to adapt or adopt it. We provide training for select skill sets based on proven techniques and best practices. The burden of policy, application, and proficiency is on the agency and the end user. Okay. So that's the official stance of the TTPOA. We are a training organization. We provide the classes and training. It's up to you on how you apply it and use it. So anything that comes up tonight is the opinion of us three sitting here talking tactics and whatever else comes up. Yep. Everybody good with that? Yeah, we are. Um, Yeah, it's based on our experience, based on what we've seen, who we talk about and who we talk to. And we're actually still doing the job. And uh, Matt, how long have you been on Dallas What? I've been on the department 22 years and 17 okay. in SWAT. So we got 17 years, Brandon. 
SWAT 17, uh, almost 24 in law enforcement. Okay, so I'm the, I, I guess I'm the young pup here. Yeah. Right about 20 years in law enforcement on the team for about four, 13, 14, 14 years. Somewhere. Yeah, so, you know, between us, we got some, uh, we got some experience in this room. Yeah. Uh, different levels of experience, you know, different operational tempo. Yeah. Um, so it should be a good discussion tonight, right? I'm excited about it, just in the fact of we're discussing it. We're not just blanket statement things. And I think that's always dangerous, especially in law enforcement. You can never say never and always in law enforcement because there's always and never search circumstances. So, uh, man, let's get into it. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on this, man? You, you wrote you wrote something for us, and uh, this is actually the first time we ever had notes and kind of a, a, a somewhat outline. That's really scary for, for me. So yeah, it is. We'll see how it goes. We might really fuck this up really bad, so. Uh, Matt, what'd you, what's, what's on your heart, man? What'd, what'd you want to talk about? Well, as you alluded to earlier, is something we discussed about training. And it goes not just in the warrant service training. It goes to just the entry training mm-hmm. and entry abilities of SWAT teams. And one of the things that we have discussed is that we've seen through the last few years a, um, a definitely a ripple effect of a lot of teams not running dynamic warrant service operations Mm -hmm. and what's happening is is they're losing that ability it is becoming for some of them a a lost art if you will of being able to clear structures on the move you know having to take space and clear and go because you can legislate you know whether a team can do this that or or on an operation because it's planned the department you know the department has that authority and you know and we understand that but you're at the mercy of the winds when it comes to a hostage rescue or an active shooter and it's the same people showing up that run those that do your warrant. And so I think it's, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it's funny, but it, it's, you look at it as the, a pre-planned operation. You're not given the authority or the ability to perform it as you think you need to. Right. Yet on a, on a, obviously a fluid situation. That's obviously pretty b- bad because it's gone to that level, whether it be an active shooter or hostage rescue, then they're like, well, okay, we'll do, go do whatever you need to do. Yeah. It's like, well, those only come up ever so often. You're at the mercy of the winds of those. And so where do your guys, where does that team have that ability to respond to those situations through training and through their, you know, uh, their ability to learn from their mistakes, to learn what works for them, what doesn't work for them. That, that uh, as, as he mentioned earlier, that op tempo is having the ability to look at these operations from the pad and say, this works for us. This doesn't work for us. We need to get better at that. Well, how do you know? How do you know? How do you get better at that? through training and through real life experiences right. and uh, same thing in patrol, same thing in traffic investigation, homicide, whatever special do you want to talk about on the department? You get better by doing it every day. Exactly. And, and so the only way to get better at clearing spaces is not sitting outside, you know, hoping that they surrender because if that doesn't work, then what are you going to do? Right. Because a warrant service can be performed by different agencies per SOP. But a hostage rescue, something like that operation will be handled by the SWAT team. And so you're like, okay, well, we don't have anybody else to solve this problem for us. So we got to be able to go do it. Yet we weren't allowed to go do it this way on this operation. So I think what's happened is, is now, as I mentioned, it's that ripple effect that you're seeing people that are struggling with their ability to clear space on the move in that dynamic fashion. Yeah. I mean, I see it a lot. Um, you know, like you said, the HR is the Super Bowl of a call out. I mean, that's, that's the pinnacle of what we were designed for ultimately uh, to, to rescue life and people that can't do it. And there's only other way you can have practice and okay, that's, that's good. But if you're 
if you're never doing that, you're not going to be good at it. And, and it, it's a fluid thing that you have to keep up. If I remember being out a while, I had an injury and I came back to practice. I mean, I just felt a little slow, a little sluggish. You're like, man, this is, I'm a little rusty uh, at that. And you talk to guys that go overseas and do these hits and then they're not in HR mode. They have to come back and kind of gear back down and get that HR mode again. So, I mean, this is a very, there's a lot to this HR stuff and it's just not just, okay, hey, we, we're going to do it once a quarter and then we're going to be good at it and proficient. You, you can't do that. That's just, it won't happen a lot. It will not happen. No. You know, I'm going to talk about, uh, yeah, HR, training for HR because, you know, we don't get a lot of those, you know, maybe you guys get more, you know, over um, in Dallas than most, but I think what Max talked about clearing space, yeah. right? If we don't have real world application of a technique that we've learned, yeah. then we're not going to be good at clearing space. And I don't care if it's a worn entry, if it's a slow search, if it's a dynamic entry, if it's an HR, I don't care. Just clearing space is clearing space. And honestly, the same tactic that you use to clear space on a search warrant or a search should be the same way that you clear space on an HR. That's just my opinion. Right. So unless you have that true HR or that true space on the job, clearing space, no matter how much you train it, you're never going to be super proficient at it unless you have reps outside that right. real world training. Yeah. Oh, so let's, um, I guess let's define dynamic entry real quick before we get a little deeper in this, just so we we're all on the same page here. Matt, what, when you hear dynamic, what does that mean well, to you? Dynamic entry? I think before talking about what dynamic is, I think a lot of people say, well, this is a no, not we're going to run. This as a no, not warrant. Well, no, not is a legal term. Exactly. It's not a tactic. Right. And I know people have said some similar verbiage out there. And it's something we've talked about before. That's a legal term. You look it up what Texas says and the vast majority of people that say, well, we run it as a no, knock. Well, we understand what they're getting at, but right. in reality, that's not what they're saying. Right. Most of them are in some form or fashion a dynamic warm service, saying they're on the move. They're they're actively you know taking ground from them, clearing the structure, you know, trying to do it as smoothly and efficiently as possible. Um, but that's where you get into tactics, you know, special weapon and tactics, SWAT, trying to, you know, dumb it down here. It is tactics. And to say you're only going to come in and only do that now one way, that's, that's just one tactic. Well, the reason why – over the career of you know, SWAT teams, especially the ones that are very active, I think their high success rate comes with you have the application of many tactics yeah. and being able to throttle up or throttle down in any given situation and operation. Hey, we can speed up, we can slow down. And where does that come back to is what Derek's talking about, experience. Yep. Having that op tempo to know we need to go this way, we need to go that way, and that's how you get that. Um, I don't know any baseball players that don't show up and do batting practice and never play a game. Mm-hmm. Or any other job, you're – you need that. You need training. You need reps and all that. But the only way you're going to know for sure if you can do it is doing it live. And yep. that is the only way to do it. And I'm sorry, you cannot legislate all the danger out of this job. You try nope. to mitigate it by having good people, good training, good equipment, and good tactics. And that's the best that you can hope for. Because when it comes time to go solve these problems and they don't want to surrender, they don't want to play by the rules that you've been set with and you have to go in there and breach and go, well, there's nobody going to be able to say, well, that tactic's not approved or this or that. You've got to be able to know what you're going yeah. to do before you go in there. Yeah. Hey, before we get down that rabbit hole, for the non-LE people listening, can you explain what a no-knock exception is versus a knock-and-announce? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, is for if you don't know, the, I tell you, for us, 
we have nothing to do with the warrant itself. That right. is the detective. And, and again, we have great detectives that do great work for us. And we've done, we run, you know, operations for DPD investigations, U.S. Marshals, FBI, DEA, ATF, Secret Service, DPS, Texas Rangers. Just about anybody that comes through here has at one time or another asked us to go out and perform warrant service for them. And it's usually, this is what my warrant is. This is right. who we're going after. This is what we're going after. We're going to trust y'all to handle it the way you see fit. That's mm-hmm. the way it should be. Yep. And so the, when you talk about a, a no-knock, it is a clause that is put into a search warrant. And there's various reasons why you could have that in there. It could be and it's, it's a suspect assessment or a location assessment as far as how that suspect is resisted against the police before, or what's he wanted for, third strike candidate known to have body armor and superior weapons. Um, is, is he made threats in the past? Is he is he a triple murder suspect where he's made comments to his, you know, whoever, right. that they will not take me alive, mm-hmm. which we do hear that. And people say, oh, that's not true. We hear it all the time. Oh, yeah. We hear it all the time. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they, they believe that, but you have to take them for what they're saying. And then you have the location itself. We have barricades like I've never seen, you know, but we've had people come in from all around the country and say, I've never seen as many barricades on row after row of houses like we do there in Dallas. I know Garland Irving has, it's the same guy over in West Dallas building all the mm-hmm. barricades <laughs> for West Dallas and Irving. It's the same guy. That dude does a lot of good stuff. So you have to look at it it's like, okay, if we don't go in there and do this in a dynamic fashion for that, what that means is, is you have a no-not clause that's in the warrant. It's saying that you can bypass the ability to or having the, or the requirement rather to have to announce who you are and what you're doing before you show up right it allows you to to circumvent that because it is a no-knock exception in in the it is written in the warrant that the affiant the detectives you know goes and tells the judge swears to it the information is correct this is what we're doing with we have never ever ever had where we're going in there and writing the warrant with a detective. They come to us and say, hey, this is what we want to do. This, you know, this is what we're looking for. And then we go do our part of it. Right. And then they have the, the the part of it that's later, the investigation side of it. We're there to, one, try to do everything safely for ourselves and everybody involved. And that doesn't include just the people inside the house. That's the surrounding community as well, right? Because when you go and do this, you're responsible. You have somewhat responsibility to try to keep everybody safe. So the, the warrant itself is whether it's it just because the no not clause is in a warrant does not mean you run it in a dynamic fashion. Well, that's what you right. said earlier. Exactly. So you're talking, you're explaining that, and you said, hey, we have this no not clause, and you handle it accordingly. Right. Right? So it doesn't mean that just because you have that no not clause that you're immediately going to go up there, slam the door, and immediately going in and doing the hut-hut that everybody right. thinks that SWAT guys do. Right? Right. Because it's your it's your experience. One, it's everything that you listed, suspect, location, barricades, route, intelligence gathering, the stuff that you gather on that on that structure that you're hitting. Is it safe for us? Is it safe for the people inside? Is it safe for the community for us to do a no knock dynamic, whatever term right. you know, I'm using air quotes here that you right. can't see me, but um, you know, is it safe for us to do that that technique right and you know, one of the first things you need to do is be able to surround it or to lock down that so you prevent escape mm-hmm. right you're going into harm's way for a reason we're going in there to get this suspect or try to recover this kind of evidence for you know you know whatever the case may be for the detectives and you're like okay we have a right to be safe we need to do everything we can to try to be safe you know, as we can to the people inside, we're not trying to go in there and hurt them. We're trying to take them in there with the least amount of force that is needed. Right. A lot of times 
just the, sh- the sheer shock and awe, the violence of actions, peace prize and violence of actions, all the stuff you want to talk about, yeah. overwhelmingly, 99.9% of the time is enough to gain compliance where all you're doing other than confronting them and challenging them as far as to put their hands up and all that is all we ever do. Yeah. We almost never have to even use physical force mm-hmm. on a suspect. And you think of the thousands of suspects. Because it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's, even yeah. in training, if you're playing a bad guy in a room or whatever it is, and your team is working a technique or whatever, if they come in with that, with that overwhelming force and power, it, it is. And you know it's coming. You're like, shit, I know my team's coming down this hallway. I know they're going to make entry in here, blah, blah, blah. But if they do it the right way, it is overwhelming, even when you know it's coming. Yes. Yeah. Right? Well, I think, too, like, I know I've seen y'all run. I've seen uh, y'all run as well and, and, and us as well. I know all three of our teams are not doing 1985, quote, dynamic drug warrants where we're just sending the whole team in the front door and just run up the middle and just there's no – that that's it. I know our teams are doing port and covers. They're doing bangs. They're doing explosive breaching. They're doing all this stuff to best up the people inside the OODA loop. I mean, it's not just or and dual entries as well. I mean, there are so many things that 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 teams do besides just oh, let's just hit the front door and go in there as fast as we can. That's what used to happen. That is not what I see the people that yeah. I am associating with and what we are putting out, and that's what is. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, since the three guys sitting here, our teams don't do that. Doesn't mean that a lot of teams no. aren't. And, and right? if they are, they need to reevaluate. Yeah, well, stuff. absolutely, and and I'm sure we'll get there. But before we go, so you just explained a no knock clause, okay? What is a knock and announce to our non LE listeners? Well, then you have the other warrant, or another kind of warrant, rather, is that the, the, that does not have that no knock clause in it. It's a search warrant. You're there for. It could be anything. It could be a body, weapons, contraband, evidence from whatever. It can be from whatever they're looking for. And, again, you go through a suspect assessment, a location assessment, and maybe for whatever reason there's there's not those those mitigating factors that say we should try to put the no-nut clause in there because of these you know reasons one, two, or three. And, and that's fine. Uh, and if, if you don't have that in there, we're not suggesting you need to put it in there just because you need to, you need to do it the right way. However, when you do, when you don't have that in there, again, it depends on policies of the PDs. I know some, uh, departments, they say, unless you have a no knock clause in there, we will do it only a surrounding call out. We will not do a breach and, you know, knock and announce, you know, yep. breach the door and hold at the door right. and call people out, which some departments do that. And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. It just depends on your SOPs and your training, your tactics, and your available manpower. Yeah. However, there are some locations you cannot completely surround. You mm-hmm. cannot lock them down and to just say with absolute fact, if they're in there, we'll get them one way or another. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we don't always have alleys. You don't always yep. have, you know, a soft, you know, approach from the backside of it yep. to come in. You may have to go through four more yards to get to there, and you're not going to be able to do that. Right. And so in neighborhoods. Neighborhoods and, you know, in – Believe me, when we when you roll in there and you got SWAT guys going everywhere, you, you can only be you know stealthy for mm-hmm. so long. Yep. You're going to get made, mm-hmm. and uh, so again, 
cutting down that reaction time and their inability to respond to us. What's the OODA loop, right? Observe, orient, decide, and act. Boy, the uh, Air Force pilot came up with that. And he was already talking about what everybody had already experienced, but he put it into, you know, verbiage for people to understand. Many, many times we've had people just tell us, I'm just glad it was Mm y'all. And they were either sitting on a gun or some kind of weapon or Mm -hmm. the dope, or they were watching the videos. You know, they have screens up with wireless cameras watching us come up and they're, they're just in such shock and awe, I guess the best way to put it, that they don't have the, the ability to say, what am I going to do? But that time it's already over with and they're being confronted and, you know, and they're being put down on the ground and, you know, flex cuffed up and they're almost look relieved because they're like, well, at least it's not my rival trying another to come in. Crew coming another in. crew trying to come in and kill me. So, and so you see that with them. And so when you talk about the differences in the warrants, they ha- the biggest thing for people that don't understand that is that a dynamic warrant really reduces their time to orient to what we're doing. A no-knock exception. A no-knock exception to orient to what we're doing, decide to act, and try to fight back or repel or run. So correct me if I'm wrong here. So knock and announce. We have to knock and announce our presence. It is the police. Right. We're here with a search warrant. What is What does case law say about how much time we have to give that person? Now, from my understanding, it's a reasonable amount of time reasonable. for the location. Right. It doesn't give us 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It's reasonable. So yeah. if it's a one-bedroom apartment, right. you may give 15 seconds. Right. If it's a two-story house, you may give more time, right? Right. Yeah, the Supreme Court never come in and said, nope. you got to do minimum amount before okay. you can do that, which is smart. They shouldn't because they – Because you can't put a time on this. Right. They're because smart it's, enough, it's, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's too situational independent yeah. on what's going on. That's also right. not to say that once you – you if you say the clock has started mm-hmm. and you're going four or five seconds and now all of a sudden the person's on the inside do something. Yes. They're trying to escape. They're, you see them trying to slam doors, run from you. Well, yeah. clearly they're making the Compr- overt. That's, so that's a compromise. It's a compromise. That's they're making the overt act not to surrender because correct. on a surrounding call out or a, or a non no knock, you know, where you're having to somewhat rely on compliance from them, you know, for the operation to go smooth because if they want to try to fight back and repel us or run away, you know, they're making that conscious decision to do that. And now you're saying, okay, well, we didn't, we, now we can dispense with the, the right. time waiting because they're refusing yep. to comply. And yep. so, so I think a lot of people don't think that that can happen when it can. Let's yes. say without the compromise, right. okay, we give it a reasonable amount of time to, for that person to come open the door for us because we've announced our presence and while we were there, they do not come open that door. Now we are able to breach a door breach windows, do what we think that we need to do to gain access into that structure. So no knock, we are announcing as that breach point is getting breached, be it manual, ballistically, um, explosive breaching, whatever. Boom. However you guys are doing it, pulling cages or whatever it is. Uh, Knock and announce, we have to announce our presence, give it a reasonable amount of time for that person or people to come open the door and let us in, right? Right. And if they don't, then we're able to breach the breach the breach point and take windows or however yeah. you guys operate. Right. These scenarios driven by the yep. you know, the location. But that's kind of like the basic right. uh, knock yeah. versus no knock sure. for our non LE listeners that really aren't quite sure. Okay, well, it's a lot of stuff those guys are talking about, and yeah. just want everybody to understand what we're talking about here. Okay. Right. So yeah, and, and I think too, it's like you have a a no knock warrant, so you. If you're going through that structure and not announcing yourselves as you're getting deeper in there, I mean, they know. I've, I've had guys 
after we arrested him, like, man, I'm glad it was y'all. I heard y'all say police as y'all came down that hall. I was like, oh, I dropped the gun because I thought I was getting robbed. Mm-hmm. And But we're announcing. I mean, there's so much that goes into that, and I think that's what people don't understand. And then, I, I, unfortunately, I think there's administration and other people that probably should understand it, but yeah, they don't. Not. But it's, it, and it's so sad. It, let's, it's disappointing. Let's talk pros and cons, right? So you already went over some of the pros to a no-knock. We're talking about OODA loop, and we talked about everything that you talked about. What are some pros to a a, a, a knock and announce? Well, for us in Dallas, again, we've been very lucky with the, you know, been through many chiefs and command structures that as, as a whole, they've supported us in doing that because I think our track record speaks for itself. Not that we haven't made our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I could mess up on the next one tomorrow. You, you know, we, that's one of the things that we've gotten better at is because we do, you know, you hot wash that right after that. You do a debrief. You talk about that and you say, Hey man, that really worked well right. or that didn't work well. And so you we've been fortunate that the vast majority. So, and this is one of the things that I was getting to in, in response to what the NTOA written that in my 17 years there, without a doubt, over 90 something percent of all search warrants, have been performed in a dynamic fashion, mm-hmm. hands down. And is this with, this is DPD this stats? This is DPD. Okay, this so is this DPD. is DPD stats we're talking. Yeah, this is our stats. And is there is there a surrounding call out mixed in there? Everyone? Sure, absolutely there is. There's, you know, you're never going to do 100% one way or another. I, I guess you could if they said you couldn't do them that way. But for us, by far and large, the vast majority of search warrant services that we've done, not just for Dallas PD, but for all the other mm-hmm. you know, entities that I listed earlier, we run them in a dynamic, you know, fashion. Now, that being said, you talk about what are the pros and the cons. If you look at just from us in almost 30 years, we've only shot one suspect on a dynamic warrant service inside the structure. One, almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I was on that one and the guy saw us coming. It was an upstairs apartment and he mm-hmm. ran back inside and he tried to ambush us as we were coming up to the stairs. Now there was other people in there that were, you know, another child that were in there and they were, they were, I don't want to say cowering down, but they were smart. They got down on the mm-hmm. ground and were not trying to resist us. Mm-hmm. And they were smart about that. Now, that guy that ran okay. back in there. Sorry. Real fast. You were compromised. At compromised. He, was, he had surveillance cameras up, and he saw you guys coming. So if you guys don't know, that's a compromise for us. He saw us with his own eyes. He was outside. Oh, so he yeah. saw you guys yeah. coming. So yeah, he, he had time. Landing. Yeah. He had time to process you guys coming up. Right. He knew where he, he or he knew where you guys were going. So he had enough time to work through his little loop and say and make a decision that I'm going to go in, I'm going to get this gun, and I'm going to try to ambush these guys as they come through whatever choke point it is right. that, that, that you yeah. guys are coming yeah. through. And the number one guy coming up to the door, that was an open door, still announcing, still you mm-hmm. know, still making sure that they know right. who we are, and did a great threshold assessment. And this is, again, back to the training. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of people I see really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I know that's another tactic. we get in that later. But did a great threshold assessment, assessed, did what he needed to do, observed the guy that he had just saw, and then the guy – came up with a gun and then our guy fired at him and, and beat him to the punch. So you guys <clears throat> saw him. He, he saw you guys and right. he ran back. So did you guys call a runner? Com- a oh yeah, we had a runner. Yep. Okay. So you guys call a runner. Yep. So versus just blowing and going through that yep. entry point, trying to catch that runner. No, no, he, he powered down and did exactly awesome. what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Awesome. Right. And again, this is that, this is that throttling up, yeah. throttling right. back. And that begin that comes back with reps and good people, experience. good experience, and then you know training yeah. and live reps where not only do you know to do it, right, without with little to no instruction from anybody else, 
But not only that you know to do it, but you know how to do it. And you yeah. can perform it at the highest level because you have a guy who's waiting on you. You're still trying to acclimate and orientate off of him, right? You're, the loop works against us, too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, so everybody, it's not just applied to the bad guy. We're, we have to deal with the same thing that they do. So we we observed him, oriented what he did to say, and we made the decision to act. And the guy did a great job. And so when we did that, it was like, well, that proves the point yeah. as to why your tactics cannot be so, you know, somewhere before that operation happened said you can or cannot do this because that was not planned to be compromised, right? It wasn't part of the plan to have that guy see us and right. run and try to wait on us to ambush us, yet that's what happened. You cannot change what they're going to do. You can only limit their options mm-hmm. because you think about that. If we say we're going to go in there and we're going to keep him from doing this, okay, how are you going to do that? Okay, you're not. I don't care how many guys you have, how much equipment you have, how many, how many years of experience you have. If they want to do something, good or bad, and they really want to do it, they're going to do it. What you can do as a team and professionally is limit their options and how far they can go with that. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the big things about running a dynamic, you know, warrant service is that you take away options from them. You take away because now all of a sudden we don't go up there and complete that 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 scenario. And he says, I'm not going back to jail. I'm not whatever the reason he may be wanting to repel us, it takes those people hostage. Well that's the thing is like now you, now you have a now thing. you have a huge problem yep. versus the warrant service. Right. Um so what are some, in your opinion, what are some cons to a no-knock exception or dynamic entry or whatever key term that people are putting, like the umbrella that people are putting this under? Well, to sit there and say there's just a clear-cut you know, negative about it, I don't know if there is one other than if, it's, if it is the – if it's if it's agreed upon, that is the best way to do it, which is the safest and for, for everybody involved – you just sit there and say, well, what is the reason why you would want to do it that way? Well, the optics of it, that some people, and so we've had, you know, there are commanders around the country that don't like that. They let, they think it looks mm-hmm. aggressive or that too we're paramilitary. You know, too paramilitary or whatever. And I would just say, well, when, when the riots were happening two years ago and we all went down there and we're having <laughs> to use armor and having to rescue people who were, yeah. you know, getting – you know, rocks thrown at them and Molotov cocktails. They're finding them near their vehicles and all that. Nobody seemed to mind the APCs then, Yeah, you know? (laughs) And And all three of us were down there. All all of us were down there. And, uh, you you know, and so when you have officers pinned down or you have an active shooter, you know, everybody looks for those APCs and everybody looks for this, like you said, the paramilitary guys coming in because they're like, okay, those guys are here. So when it, when it, behooves them to have us in that role it works out for but then right. when they go back to regular day oh well, i think it looks bad or it looks this it's like well you know i'm sorry the, the nature of the beast is this is that you got to have ability to to respond to dangers and threats and so when you ask what is i don't know if there's a negative or a, a con against running it so there's, there's i think it's i think it's it's, it's an application of tactics so that's where I was going to yeah, go yeah. with it. So, so like yeah. one of so my biggest con to a no knock exception is team structure. You got to look at the team. Yeah. You guys, the team leaders, need to look, be men, look at the team, and go, okay, my dudes are prepared for this, and they can do it, or they can't. Right. Just because you have it, right, in the warrant, the no knock exception, yep. doesn't mean no. that you should run it as a no knock if your team is not ready for that, right? SWAT team, ad hoc, a uh, bunch of detectives getting together, whatever, however your team is structured. Like, you know, as, as a team leader, I should be able to look at my guys and go, we're not there. 
we can't do this. This is above our pay grade on this one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And I, and of course nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to walk in here and go, we can't do this. Everybody, I get that. Yeah. Uh, being with us, we're very fortunate. Again, when I came on the team, there's a lot of veteran dudes there that have been doing it for a long time. And again, as a new guy, you had the luxury of coming in and learning, just, yeah. not just being shown how to do it and memorizing tactics or whatever, mm-hmm. but you learn what the tactic is, what it's for how you apply it and how it how it helps you. What is the benefit to doing it this way yeah. versus that way? And again, that comes from reps, come from experience. And again, we have the luxury, if you want to call it that, as a new guy coming over and saying, okay, you're a new dude. You're going to be here. You're going to learn <laughs> this job. And we're not going to do anything with you. We're not going to get you hurt or anybody else hurt until you've proven that you're culpable and capable and, you're, and you know what you're doing and you're an asset versus a detractor. Mm-hmm, right. And so, again, I, it doesn't matter what I say. There'll be somebody out there says he's calling me out or calling my team. That's not my point. No. The point of it is, is that a lot of teams, especially smaller teams, well, it is, it, it is not their fault that their command will not give them the training. Correct. It's not yeah. their fault that the command, it may be, they don't even know it themselves. We need this or we need training. Then to go back to what we talked about earlier, you know, how many people that were on the SWAT teams that came to that HR training we did a few months ago, mm-hmm. And one out of 29 of them, I believe, had attended formal hostage rescue training before right. that, that. That's unacceptable. Yeah. But where is that in theirs in on their team saying, wait a minute, the, we need to do this. But yet they're being held to the standard for, because they're their SWAT team for wherever they work that you go out and perform this function. Well, let's be honest yeah. here, right? So no one's calling anyone out on any of this stuff. But, I mean, we're sitting here having this conversation. Yeah. And why are we having this conversation? Because literally SWAT teams from across the country that probably shouldn't be doing things, certain things, not everything, but right. certain things they should not be doing just because they're out there doing. Right. And uh, a lot of teams have been lucky, right? And then some teams have not been so lucky. And that's why we have, uh, you know, the NTOA has its stance and, and it, it, it dropped um, its stance last week. And, and, you know, I mean, this is why we're kind of sitting here. Now we have teams across the country where their admin dudes are going, you guys are not doing uh, no knock warrants. And they have no idea they, what they a no knock warrant is. They just, they just heard it on the news. It's bad or whatever. And yeah. So, I mean, like no one's calling people out, but the reality is, that's why we're here because some teams are doing some stupid shit that they probably shouldn't be doing and getting everyone else clumped into. I, I think too, we're not we're, right now. Our conversation is just SWAT teams. We haven't even addressed narcotic teams. When I was, I was a undercover narc for several years and I taught at the state organization for, for Texas. And that was a thing that I saw a huge disconnect between SWAT and narcotics at my department, we were very, very fortunate. I grew up in our department knowing that SWAT and narcotics worked hand in hand because we always ran narc warrants. So we had all the tools to perform that um, service. Where these SWAT or these SWAT teams have the training, they have the tools that we have. These narc teams don't get it. Mm-hmm. So. Their administration is asking them to perform a task. Well, their primary job is to go buy dope. Yeah. So they're, they're the asking them to, to go do a task. Go, hey, go hit that house. And they're hitting that house. And they're not allowed to throw flashbangs. They're not allowed to do port and covers. I mean, they don't even have a bear cat. So they're rolling up, hitting the door and going. I'm like, man, like, 
you're taking on the same responsibility as a SWAT team, but not given any of the tools to do that or training. I think that's a huge problem there. It's a liability. That, that, it's a huge liability. That, I mean, we can't address that. That's not something we can fix, but that's the other part of the equation that, that doesn't ever get dressed. And I think that's why it was disheartening to me to see the, the stance of the NTOA just put out a blanket statement and say what they said, because there's so many things that have to be addressed and there was nothing addressed in there to, to remedy the situation. And I think to me, it just, it gave fuel to the haters out there and it gave them ammo. And that's just not what my thing is. It gave fuel to the admin dudes that don't truly understand our job. have never really been in our boots and, and and honestly, and they really don't want to know. And I probably don't want them knowing as much, you know, because I mean, they, they don't want to know because you invite them to training or whatever it is and they don't really come out, you know, depending on your agency. Well, right? it, it depends on the agency. And like I said, you guys have been lucky. We've been lucky. And I think one of it is it's your history and your, you set a precedence and you've held a high standard for mm-hmm. a long time. Again, we've made our mistakes. We, you will continue to make them. There's no perfect op, right? Never. Even, yeah. even if everything goes the way you wanted it to, you can like, man, we should have done this. I should have gone left versus right, you know, whatever. And you have that. And so we've been fortunate to have good, you know, support in the community. Now there's been times where people have argued, you know, and that's going to happen in any department. You're going to have, you know, difference of opinions on certain yeah. things, but what you, I think what happens is in regardless whether it's SWAT or narcotics or whatever, you know, manpower is a big issue right for all mm-hmm. these pds especially right now they can't mm-hmm. can't get enough people in the academies they're leaving you know whatever they don't you know and so you have that being taken away and you have the first thing that gets taken away is training time mm-hmm. guaranteed yep and I've, I've said this the other day i don't think we've ever made up a training day you may go back and work on what you're going to that day but those hours it's gone those reps you'll it's never gone. get them back mm-hmm. and everybody understands that and over time you talk to these guys and you know we have a, a agency that i'm familiar with several guys that are further south of us they get two days a month when they and it's usually tied up with one being tactics one mm-hmm. day and one day is shooting or vice mm-hmm. you know or maybe both shooting because it's good weather or whatever the case may be yeah. and like, okay, well, when is the last time y'all worked on this? April. And is this in November? You know, or whatever the thing is. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, okay, it was seven months ago. They go, yeah. Like, that's, that's that's unbelievable. Not it's not yeah. good. And so, and now there's such a litigious society that we live in and everything that the police do is wrong now. So you see them try to do a traffic stop or a vehicle, you know, felony takedown. They go, well, why didn't you take them down with this? <laughs> and then you go do that. And they go, why didn't you try to take them down in a car? Yeah. And so you can't, you can't make them happy. And so no. they complain about this. They, you know, they say you should have done that. And the first thing that when something goes bad, what do they do? They pull up your training records. Mm-hmm. The first thing they pull up and then go, well, has this guy been to warrant school? Has he been to an HR school? Mm-hmm. When was the last time y'all did training on warrants or HR? Or when was the last time he, you know, zeroed his red dot, you know, on his, yeah. you know, all those things come up and everybody's like, oh, well, that's just, and so you can't sit there and legislate that for everybody. Nope. But the team, to your point earlier, has to be held accountable, has to be responsible for that. And again, that's the administration putting people in there that know what they're doing, yeah. that have an understanding of what that is, and saying, okay, you're gonna, we're going to hold you all accountable to that. And that's, and that's what you, that you have to do it that way. Because if you don't, eventually it will go bad yeah. on you. And then when it does, they're going to look at you and go, okay, well, what happened here? Uh, I don't know. And there's yeah. no coming there, back. There, there's yeah, no there's no coming back from that. No coming and that's back what happens that. to some of these agencies. Well, well, they get overextended. Hey, sorry, sort of. before we jump down, which I think we're going down this whole pros and cons to a knock and announce, right? We can find one, maybe two cons to a 
yeah. um, uh, a no knock exception. Uh, what are some cons to to a knock and announce? Just so everybody knows, because I think we like 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 we all know, right? Right. I rather do a no knock than a than sure. a knock and announce. Well, the, you know, to what you just said, knock and announce, and you are giving by the the law, you got to give them time to try to answer it. So this goes back to. They're back. They're not in the OODA loop now. They're observing what you're doing. They're yeah. orientating to, they're at my front door. They're at my back door. I can, they're not at my back door. I can make a run for it. Whatever the case may be, they're, or, and they're observing and orienting off that and then make the decision to act. Yeah. So you give them time. Now, if they want, if they want to be good and surrender and all that, Hey, it works out fine. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, Oh, what well, that worked, that worked great. Well, it just didn't go bad. Yeah. Whereas if they decide to go bad, or when we say decide to go bad, to fight back, to repel, to try to run, try to evade, whatever the, whatever you want to, whatever their actions are, you're not in a great way to respond to handle that, and you can't take away those options. So now everything on the table for them. So I think that's one of the biggest detractors of trying to, to perform a warrant service and a knock and announce is that anything that they choose to do, they have the time to mm-hmm. do it. Yep. And, and, I, and that's, if that's the best way and, to put and, it. And I, I want everybody to understand, too, that there are non-LE people, even though – we are doing a knock and announce. We still have to go in that house at yes, some point exactly. of time. Okay. Yep, so even <laughs> let's say everything is good and the bad dude in there is like, I'm giving up and he comes out. Right. We try to gain, uh, we try to gain intelligence. Hey, is anyone else inside? Yes. No, maybe whatever it is. We do some fake call outs to see if we can get some more people to come out, but we still have to make entry and put boots inside that house yep. and search the house before uh investigator is allowed right. to go inside the you house. You got secure it. Right? Yep. That's mm-hmm. our job. So, um, there's a lot of cons to that Yeah, because if somebody <laughs> doesn't want to come out, you know, let's say like Matt, you know, Matt comes out, but Brandon doesn't want to come out yeah. and Matt lies to me about Brandon being in there. You mean bad guys lie? Uh, bad guys lie a little bit, but you know, there's a place where that dude could lay an ambush point and get two or three people as we're coming through a choke point or a bridge point or whatever. Well, most of them, that's their, their house, their their, their, their trap or whatever you want to call it, but they already have history on that structure because they're in there. Mm -hmm. And so that might be the first time they've been in there, but they're already been in there. So they know where that blind corner is. They know where the Creek on the stairs are. They know there's an overhang on the stairs that you don't, whatever. It didn't take very long to figure out where the advantages of it is. Yeah. And when that's the back to the point of being in the no-knock clause versus not having that in there is because when you're able to run dynamic and you're able to take ground from them, you're able to reduce that opportunity that yeah. they have. And, again, going back and looking at with us, what, you know, Dallas SWAT gets very few deadly force encounters. We, we don't do many considering the amount of people that we confront on a, year, on a yearly basis, thousands of people. You know, thousands of people taken into custody, unbelievable amount of weapons and drugs and everything, and yet we use deadly force very rare. Mm-hmm. And yet when we do, and over the last you know, almost 30 years, you know, trying to get stats is sometimes hard. Only one, as I mentioned earlier, was on a dynamic search warrant. And ours is very similar. And everybody else is on a surround or call out. Yeah. I've got friends out there in California that big agencies and uh, talk to them same stats mm-hmm. now granted it's a bigger city so the numbers are very there are more of them but, the but ratio, it's the same, it's the same but ratio the same ratio, same ratio. so when you look at that and you talk to them and they go you know and some of them you know some some of the big teams out there have been put in this 
you may not do a dynamic warrant anymore. And they hate it. And of course, they, yeah. they can't fight it back, you know, and they're like, this is crazy. And yet there they are. And so now we're hiding behind it, not hiding, but we're seeking cover behind APCs yeah. or whatever we can. And there's a, there was a great video, not great, but it was very real of the LAPD SWAT guys. They were on a call out. Guys inside the house, he sees the officers at the oh, back, the at corner. the back right, the yeah, corner of that garage, him. Yeah. shoots him, hits him in the vest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I'm good. And boy, I mean, that guy already had a beat on him because yep. he's not having to make this, or he's, he's has the ability to make decisions. They're not putting, I'm not saying they should, should run dynamic. I'm not saying that at all. It's a different kind of operation. My point to that is, so he made the decision to shoot that officer mm-hmm. shot and then shot back again. And he yep. ends up and he, and the thank God that guy lived. He yep. was okay. But you see that and you realize, okay, there's only so many places you can get hard armor. There's only yeah. so many places you can get there. You eventually, to your point earlier, I've got to go in there. We got to search this thing. If he doesn't want to come out, we are exposed. We are in danger to some degree going up there because once you get off that truck or wherever you're coming from to go up there to that breach point or the window or whatever, you're exposed. Yep. And so we talk about it's. They say, well, it's unsafe for the people inside the house. If we don't shoot them, it's a hell of a lot safer for them than it is for than it is yeah, for anybody. Right. And so we have a right to be safe just as much as they do. It's not just well, your guys' safety doesn't matter. Our mm-hmm. safety absolutely matters too. And so to say it there, you say, well, you need to run it this way versus that way. Well, please allow us to make that decision versus you because we're the ones in harm's way. Yeah, and I think too, like our stats are very very similar over the last thirty years. Zero. Um, you know, as far as the quote dynamic entry callouts, uh, surrounding callout type barricade us up. We've had sh- we've had shootings in that. Uh, and you go back to luck real quick. Luck is in anything that we do. I don't care what what it is. I mean, that's just part of the thing. But also, I, I also know that as much planning as we do, that that eliminates a lot of the luck and puts it on our side as far as just being sound in our tactics and stuff. But but going back to to the pros and cons and and things like that. Always, uh, my my analogy is, we grow, we all grew up our our generation here of Mike Tyson. I mean, he was the the baddest dude on the planet. So, would you want to tell Mike Tyson, "Hey, man, let's fight. I want to give you fifteen or twenty seconds to fight. Are you ready to fight? Let's go. Come on, I'm here." Or you fucking sucker punch him and you hit him here and you hit him in the knee and you hit him there with different things because you're taking him off balance. You're knocking the fight out of him. And even if these 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 departments don't want to make entry on, quote, dynamic, but they can get a no-knock, why don't they still do that and take it from the outside? Run their Bearcat through the front door, do an explosive breach, port and cover windows, take the fight to them still. You can still take the fight to somebody without, quote, getting in their house because if you're if you're worried about our officers getting in their house and, and all these people, the safety mitigation. Okay. But at least still say that that is a, still a practice that we can use because it's legal first of all. And then second of all, that's still smarter than just going, Hey, we're out here. Just come out and shoot when you want to, or do whatever you want to. At least we're still taking the fight to them. If you're, if you're a team and administration that says, Hey, we don't want you to make entry. But to make this blanket statement, that I think that's just it's 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 sad, and I think that's what's frustrating, guys, because we all understand the nuances of all, of all this and how there's no cookie cutter 
answers. There's no cookie cutter situations that we have, but I always go back to if I'm in my kitchen and I'm getting a drink and the police explosive breach my door and port and cover my back window and they do something else and have a dual entry. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm trying to orient myself, but if you show up and you're challenging me, there's a part of me is like, all right, motherfuckers. All right. You, you keep emboldening me just like we see on the streets. You tell a guy so many times to do something and it emboldens that guy. And we see it on these shootings a lot instead of just acting the way we should and doing what we, what we know what to do and, and taking the fight to them. And I, when I say fight, you know what I mean by we take the aggression to them legally. And I think that's way just safer and, and, and just a better practice. In my experience, it has been. Matt, what's your opinion of team structure and training uh, and some other things that come into that, you know, knock and announce versus no knock? Well, first of all, it starts with selection. You know, and uh, I mentioned this the other day, you know, Paul House says, you know, selection is a never-ending process. That is, got a lot of work's got to be put into that to begin with. You need good people there, people that are capable of doing the job that you're asking them to do first. And then you tr- you select them on their performance on how they're doing that. Every agency has their own way of doing it. And then you have training. Because if you don't have the training, as I mentioned earlier, that's the first thing they're going to come back and ask, you know, when was the last time you did this? And so you have to understand that, in order to go do this operation, whether it be in hostage rescue or dynamic warrant, you know, whatever, they have to have that file already in place to go back and pull it out of their brain pan and say, this is how, this is how you perform this function. Mm-hmm. This is how you do this. So you do that. And how do you form that file? Reps, mm-hmm. rep after rep after rep. And then you do training to a point where you see a, a, a somewhat mastery of that skill to the point where they're safe to do it live. And then you work them in live and then you ease them into the process. And then you see how they're functioning. There is no different than what you do in the Academy. Okay. The Academy does rep after rep after rep. And then eventually you go out into the, you know, field training, you're doing it under the, you know, you're easing into it. It's it's essentially the same thing. So let's talk training before we go too far. NTOA says 16 hours a month training. Okay. So how many hours do you, or let's see, how many days a month do you guys train? Well, there's not a set day or set number, I should say. Okay. Well, we're very fortunate to have the support of the command that if there's not an operation that's planned, and let me say this, unless you're on that operation, mm-hmm. sometimes there's there's smaller structures within India, everybody, whatever, whatever, and there's not anything else going on. You need to be on a protest or a dignitary <laughs> or whatever the case may be. If there's not another assignment, then you, you know, you, you get with the, the supervisor and say, okay, we, we, you know, we're working on hostage rescues this month. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the theme. That's what I like to do, you know, with our guys. And we talk about it. It's okay. We're going to work on this component of it or whatever. Uh, every day is a training day. If you can Yep. Uh, just sit there and say, you're, you're only going to do 16 hours. I think because I have heard this from many, many guys, you know, different agencies all around. I mean, we get them from, from different parts of the country. Once you get that 16 hours, those two days a month, man, that's it. They will never (laughs) even consider anything. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of teams that I see that come through some training I do out of state. And, um, man, they're lucky if they get eight. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Sure. Because like we talked about, those days never come back. They never come back. So uh, how many days or a month do you guys get to train? We do uh, twice a month, and then we have quarterly, week-long trainings. I say, I guess we're pretty lucky. We, I mean, if you break it down, we're almost three to four times a month training. It's, you know, about once a week ish, depending on, 
you yeah. know, so we're pretty lucky on that, it, you know, depending on if something sure. comes up or, yeah. but the thing is now with just having the size of team that we have, and since we got pushed down to part-time now getting people to come to training because of scheduling staffing or staff. staffing or manpower or whatever it is. Well, that's, that's the big part of having teams that have in still, well, the, the SWAT is their ancillary role. They're detectives, they're yeah. gang, whatever the case may be. And again, we understand, or we, you know, anybody understands that. Hey, that's that's your job. Mm-hmm. And then this is a you chose to do this. But at the same te- same time, the department has to recognize we we need those guys to be able to do that. Yeah. So even though they're choosing to do it, and it's a it's an additional function, you know, you would like to think that somebody says, "Hey, we need to support those guys because yeah. we're asking them to do a job that nobody else is right. it, it, probably by policy." Like even Should with us, yeah. you know, by policy, there are certain circumstances for, you know, in Dallas that it'll say, you know, the SWAT team is the one that's going to respond to handle yeah. that. And that's, and that's understandable. And, and, yeah. that's, and nobody's challenging that. That's fine. Yet at the same time, then you have some agencies that say, well, yes, you're responsible for that. However, I need you to go do this. I need yeah. you to go do that. And like you said, then that one's gone, and then the next one's gone, or whatever. And then two weeks later, and they go, "Man, what were we going to work on the other day?" And I, well, we forgot. Yeah, you but know, you know, yeah, like yeah. you're, you're, held, you're held to the standard, whether you train once a month or once a week. Yeah. You're still held to the standard of a highly trained SWAT team. Yeah. So if you're not doing it because admin's not letting you, you're like, man, it, this is going to come back to bite us one yeah. day, and it's yeah, not going to be very good. And I'll be honest with you, um, the guys I see out of state that you know, all part-time, most are part-time. Vast majority. Uh, vast be, majority yeah. are part-time. Um, it's just one of those things that if they do not get the training and don't have the operational tempo, some of the scenarios that we put them through, especially like the HR scenario at the end of the, mm-hmm. like a week long training um, event, man, it is just, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Now the guys, like the guys are awesome. I mean, they're doing the best they can. They're, you know, like they don't know what they don't know and, and, and they're working problems. But it's just not smooth. It's not proficient. Right. It's not. It's not at that HR pace or speed that they should be moving. Right. right? Well, I think one of the cool things that, like, what I get to do in this organization is so many guys come in and they're all from all over agencies, and especially some of the teams that don't get what we get. When I mean, we've been so fortunate to who we've been able to hang around and train with and stuff, but these other teams that don't to give them a little bit of knowledge and that light comes on they're like, Oh wow. I never thought about that. Or I see that differently. Like we, we've never talked about that. Or I want to go back and tell my team about this. That excites me. I mean, that, that, that's part of the reason why I do this job. And I think you've done it and I don't know if you've done it as well. And I think we see that we have a, a true passion for these guys that don't get to experience some of the things that we have. Yeah. I mean, I'm, well, you know, so Matt, we're talking about, you know, selection of, of, of the dude and then the progression of the individual SWAT guy, you know, back when, you know, I was on the full-time team, you know, our, our operational tempo, our, our, our saying was, you don't know what's going on until about five years in. And then yep. you kind of start learning what's going on. And then about 10 years in is when you should be you know, becoming that subject matter expert on whatever it is that, you know, your specialty is or movements or whatever it is. Um, my team and your team, and, and I'm not sure about y'all's team, but it sounds like the progression was the same. You got selected. 
you went through SWAT schools, basic SWAT, this and that, right? You had to perform in training before you got to do anything live. Mm-hmm. And even if they needed manpower on something live, you're holding the perimeter or you're yeah. doing something that there's a very, you know, you slight chance that yeah. you're going to do something uh, dynamic or aggressive, right? right? And then you prove yourself and you eventually start, you know, kind of towards the rear or wherever, you know, port and covering or, or doing whatever it is. And then once you've proven yourself, you can, you can step up and become like a main entry guy or whatever, however you do it. There's a lot of teams that, that I see that don't have that luxury. They don't of sure of, of, of having that time to, to see from the outside in and then get a little bit closer and closer. Yeah, and closer. We had a guy in the uh, HR school earlier this year, he comes up to me and he works for a, a team around here, North Texas. And he said, uh, man, I'm going to tell you, this has been so eye-opening. He's like, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I, and I was like, yeah, we started talking. And I said, well, how long have you been with the team? He says, a little over three years. I said, what schools have you gone to since you've been there? He says, well, I went through basic SWAT, through the TWA, which is just a yep. – it, it just, just, just scratched the service. Scratched yeah. the service. And again, it, it, it does what it's supposed to do. And he goes, and he's a gas guy, you know, gas less lethal guy. So he goes, I went through a gas less lethal school. I said, okay, what else? He goes, that's it. I said, you've never been through a hazardous warrant school. No, you, until this class, you've never been through a hostage rescue CQB entry school. No, which to me, he should have already had the warrant school because mm-hmm. one, that's by far the bulk of your work. And at the same time, that helps lay that foundation for the HR stuff later. And he said, no. And I was like, I was like, that's just unbelievable. You know, and we were talking and he, you could see the guy wanted to be there. He wanted to get better. But at the same time, he has no say so. You know, anything, yeah. you know, yeah, he's, he's a three year dude. Yeah, he's a, you know, and he may be the last guy that's been on that team to come over because it's a small team. And so mm-hmm. if I had 12 guys, he's been there maybe three years. He may be the most junior guy. And so it's not like he has any say so. And, uh, I've had many people over the years text me or email me, hit me up after they get, they get done the class and go, Hey, I went back and tried to talk to the boss or, you know, the guy in charge about whatever was shown. And he was supportive of it. And we love it. We're working yeah. on it. And, or they come back and go, they wanted nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, I hate that. I'm like, man, I hate that for you. All you got to do is just, you know, just keep plugging away and keep trying. Yeah. And so you see that and it's nice to hear people that have successes, but mm-hmm. sometimes you hear them come back and they say, man, it is. So you, you, so you, you paid for your, your officer to go to this class to try to learn tactics to bring something back. And then you just say, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Well, why'd you send him? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, and so it's, it's discouraging to hear that. And it, had, it happens a lot, you know, yeah. and it's, 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 it's rough. Whereas again, when I came over, you had a lot of senior guys, a lot of experience that had done it at a high level for a long time. Yeah. And they were the first part of that 30 years we talk about yeah. and run just, you know, rep, I mean, rep after rep after rep and just, you, and, you, and you're just like, I'll never get this, you yeah. know, when you first start. Cause yeah. You're like, they do it so good. They're so smooth. They never go wrong. They never make a mistake. They're always in a good spot. They don't get, they don't drift too far. All yeah. those little so, things. But, so let's, let's lead in that. And to me, that's op tempo of sure. real world training, on the job training, you know, learning um, um, your movements or your technique yeah. versus live structures, live bad guys, right. not a shoot house, not a Sims house, not a clean, sterile room. Right. right. So, uh, uh, opinion of op tempo into what we're talking about. Well, obviously it'll matter. And it's not to say, well, we're a, we're a big city we're a full, you know, and we do a lot of work. So therefore we're big. No, I'm not saying that at all. It helps to get, again, it gives those files that data to go back to pull yeah. out of your brain pan going, yeah. Okay, on this kind of barricade, this works, or on this kind of structure, or these guys are known. We've been to this house before, right. you know, some yeah. of those same houses we've been to four, five, six, seven times. Where you're like, okay, remember, there's this big tree in the back. We can't get, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that op tempo, it, 
and if anything, you learn from your success, but you learn from your failures too. You oh, know, yeah. when, when mistakes go bad or you, you go back, or even if it's my failure, you try to say, look, look, look what I did wrong here. And nobody likes to do that, but say, learn from what I just did was wrong. Don't ever do this. Yeah. Or you go back and go, don't ever do that because eight years ago I did the exact same thing you're doing. And it's wrong. Let me tell you, here's the nine reasons why that's the wrong way to yeah, do it. Exactly. You know, and I remember sitting there on the outside on BP one time with the senior guys. And I'm like, what about this? They go, okay, that's a good tactic, but here's the nine reasons why that won't work today. Mm-hmm. One, two, just right through it. And then you're like, okay. And so you remember that. But if you don't have that live op, because if you're, if your Sims building is the same for the yep. most part, every single time, every single time, now you right. can move walls here and there, but clearly it, there's, there's only so much you can do to yeah. it. And so, you know, we have. You know, and I think to go ahead. Now I was going to say is that, you know, we've had everything from fifth, sixth floor studio apartments that are, they're so hard to get to. Like yeah. I would never live there, let alone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. It's so hard to get to, to 600 square foot, just tiny row houses that were built, you know, 70 years ago mm-hmm. that are literally one door in the front, one door in the back, they line up and you have two windows on each side. To multi-million dollar seven square seven thousand square foot estates yeah. to everything in between, and a lot of agencies, it's not their fault. It's the op tempo or whatever you want to call it, it's not their fault. They just don't see all that. But when it comes up and they have to do it live and they've never been that before, man, it's just, it's just hard to make up that ground. Yeah. So I, I think I know the answer to this. Um, you probably don't. I probably don't. Probably but I think don't. I do. Maybe. So tactics. Talking about being the young SWAT guy on a BP out there, you know, nothing's happening. You're talking to the senior guys about tactics. The good thing is you're questioning, right? You're questioning why are we doing something? Because you're looking at something and you're like, okay, is this the right way to do it? And the senior guys are like, hey, no, this is the way that you need to do it because, you know, here's your nine reasons. But the deal is you're questioning. And I think I know the answer. How often or how many times have you guys changed your tactics depending on what you guys are seeing? Because I know personally, we've changed our tactics quite a bit with, one, it has to do with the tenure of the team now. The dudes that we have on the team and some mistakes that we saw from the junior guys or some of those, some of the junior guys were like, hey, we need to change this because we can't continue to do it the way that we've always done it because for, for, for that reason. So we've made some changes here and there. Yeah. Are you guys constantly changing? Or? Sure, you're always evaluating what you're doing versus equipment, tactics, yeah. you know, application techniques, all that stuff. And uh, I tell you, the big thing is, is like when I first came over, the APCs we had didn't run. They just stayed under the shed, you know, under the garage. They didn't run. If you did, you, they, they would die or you couldn't get it started again. Uh, we didn't have explosive breaching. We didn't have ballistic breaching. Yep. Uh, we didn't have, certainly didn't have drones like we do now, which those things are, mm-hmm. that's a game changer. That's yeah. going to be, you know, and I know there's a lot of pushback with that, but, you know, but those things are great. It's so the next evolution, man. It is. Yeah. There's no doubt. And yeah. uh, so being able to I mean, night vision. Oh yeah, night I mean, vision. It's a huge thing for us. I mean, we've we've waited till dark to go do things yeah. because it's the advantage to it. And again, that's another training thing. So techniques. I mean, the way I was taught CQB, the way I handled the room, it hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I've heard you know different people say that the room that you're coming into in Dallas, Texas. It's very much like the room over in the Ukraine right now with everything going on or whatever. Yeah, rooms, a door rooms, swing. A, is it outward opening, inward opening? Yeah. Is it corner fed, center fed? And so wherever you go in the world, those, those a still, room is a room is a room. Still applications. And so things change, sure. There's been little 
little nuances, yeah. little, little things yeah. here and there. You know, the, how do you implement new equipment, technology, yeah. you know, and in, in having it again, having to re-rack new guys and show them how to do that? Because like was Brandon said, you know, six years ago, we'd have but maybe just a few pieces of night vision in the whole division. Yeah. If, and if and not if everybody has it, then, not, then nobody has it, right? Mm-hmm. So now that we've gotten to the point where we have the night vision, this whole other, you know, folder opened up for us where a million different things. And so then you're like, man, I had no idea how involved this was going to be in night yeah. vision and all the stuff that go along with that. And now that we've had it for years, and believe me, we haven't perfected it by any means, but we've gotten competent to the point where we can use it to our advantage. You're like, man, how did we ever do it before? Yeah. Like know, we, we helped you out on one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Drive the Bearcat yeah. down my nods. I'm yeah. like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that was one we waited till night yeah. to do that because it was such a large stretch. And that was so, a great, like, yeah. that was, if you would have said, hey, let's hit it in the daytime, but we have nods, you'd be like, well, that wasn't very smart. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you ask what what has really changed, little nuances here and there, but what, what you've done is we've added to it. Yeah. But then, at the same time, more equipment means what? More training. More training. More, yeah. so more it, responsibility. It is, it is this vicious yeah. cycle. And so, they, you know, when you look at now, you know, you have patrol in Dallas. We have uh, Dal- uh, the patrol officers have a 40 millimeter. They call them stinkers. That's what Dallas calls them. Uh, for the patrol guys to have that for, you know, people that are non-complying. Okay. Adds training. Yeah. When I was in patrol, they didn't have that. Right. You know, we didn't have body-worn cameras in patrol when I was there. We didn't have uh, – tasers when i was in patrol mm-hmm. and you'd have there's a lot of things that these guys now they walk out of the academy doing more so is i've never seen a department not want to bring on more equipment mm-hmm. that's never happened yeah. they, all, they add more equipment to you all the time and so your tactics your techniques your practices change a little bit but you're adding to it but then at the same time you're like look you're adding to it more training yeah and that's where i think it just kind of falls off you know yeah. on the way so there. since we're talking about training i know all three of us and our our three teams have had some outstanding training when it comes to outside people. We've all trained with the tier one groups in the military. I mean, it's a regular place to come in Dallas. Um, we have seen the way those guys train. We have seen that. We have seen other teams that are really squared away train. And I think that's another part of the the equation that you have to you can we can say training, but is it good training or is it just slap ass training? Is it okay? Let's just make it where we always win. Are we challenging our guys with training? And I think that's another component that gets overlooked a lot. I mean, if you're not challenging yourself in training, and sometimes you get your your ass kicked in training, you probably need to reevaluate that. I mean, but. Like, here's my argument with bringing in some of the tier one guys. Um, like, their training is great and their, tacti- and their tactics are great, but does that tactic, does that fit your team's capabilities, right? A lot, of, I see a lot of teams, you bring in somebody that has, you know, the unit or Delta or SIL Team 6 or SIL this or whoever, right? You can't right? say some of those words. I know, I can't. Those people do not exist. Um, you know, you bring those people in and uh, if if it's like a new SWAT dude or a, a, a young SWAT cat, you know, a SWAT cat showing up to this class, man, they are bought in to every single word this guy says, which is awesome. They're paying attention, but is it the gospel and should it be treated like that? No, because my, my whole point was the the way to set up training the professionalism yeah, in correct. training because yeah. there's some things that you know like you, you can take away and you can you can you, you can use but I, I but i would also say too there, there's a lot of things that those guys have done and learned the hard way from 
Correct. But my problem so. is is the is the SWAT team that slow that solely relies on them to train them. Yeah, right. And because I think that's a, sometimes those like some of those tactics do not translate to civilian law enforcement. Sure. Yeah. And if you just live and die by the way that these guys handle their business overseas, you're not going to last long in civilian law enforcement. No, again, been very fortunate to got to talk to, train with, yep. observe those guys in whatever you name. We've seen them all yep. in mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, we had one come up to us and we were standing just standing there talking and he's like, what do you think? And I said, like, well, you know, just to your point, like that's really worse good, which we can never get away with that. And I hate to say get away with that, but like mm-hmm. that would not be permitted. We would never even think about that and try that. And he's like, no, you're right. And he said, and his, his point to all that was, is that they have really had to go back and, and change and change, you know, and morph. He says, we're a lot more like y'all than we ever have been. Right. Because, you know, responsibility, they're wearing cameras and having to, mm-hmm. you know, do debriefs and say, why did you do this versus that? And I'm not suggesting that they were doing it wrong to begin with, but they said, hey, things have changed for us as well. Yep. And so I think people just realize that, hey, you know, whatever tactic you're using, if you use it, you got to recognize that, okay, you're, you're responsible for saying that's the right thing to do. Well, how do you know it's the right thing to do? Training. And yep. it's, it's, that, it's that vicious cycle that goes back. And so whether you bring in – those guys, you bring in guys that did it a long time ago that have been teaching LE for a long time, which, mm-hmm. th- and they'll be the first one to tell you, I had to learn yeah. how to change that. Or you bring in, you know, you know whatever. I've, you know, I've been fortunate to have great training come in, great dudes. Yeah. And then I've had bad training too. Mm-hmm. And we've all been there. And you're like, within the first couple of years, like, oh my gosh. And then how often have you been set up for have your guys are going to do a major training you know, at this location because we only have it for a week and we're going to lose it. <laughs> and they used to do all this setup and all this prep and you do one run. Yeah. <laughs> You've been there all day. You do yeah. one run yeah. and you and I went in one yeah. run and nobody was in there and they go, hey, great job. It's like, we didn't do anything. Yeah. We just didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But, you know, whereas you go out with just your group, say six or eight of you, and go hit, you know, 52 for four yeah. hours, and you do 25 runs, right. you know, and you work on those little nuances. So, again, big training, expensive training, or mm-hmm. all those guys did not always constitute great training, you yeah. know. And then, again, I'll, I'll talk about our breachers, you know, our explosive breachers. I'll put them up there with anybody. They'll, the minute that we call everything's safe and they go back and look, either we used it or we didn't use it, they're like, yeah. What would have worked? What could we do here? What can we do? What can we get away with? That's the minimum. And they just pour over that. They yeah. take pictures and they and they log it and they do all this work. And then you see it now after the years of experience. They go, that's a class two metal door. Blah blah blah. blah. They go, okay, this is the perfect charge for that because right. we can use that corner. And they've already worked out all of it in their mind within just a couple of minutes. Why? Because of those real life reps yeah. in that training. And so, and then when they come up to you and they go. Matt, this is the charge we have. This is what it's going to look like. This is this is the standoff. This is what it's going to do to the door. You know, ABC one two three. And when it does that, and you have that confidence, you just man, you just push, keep pushing, steam yeah. right ahead. And so the training is huge. But to say what has really changed, the equipment has changed. You know, the the TTPs have been morphed a little bit to, to incorporate that. But the basic CQB stuff is pretty much the same for me. You know, I haven't. If somebody could come up with a better way of doing it, I'm all ears. But I haven't heard. I haven't seen it yet. There's tons of ways to skin that cat, yeah. and you guys are doing it the way that works for DPD. Yeah. You guys are doing it the way it works for uh, works for uh, your agency. So, uh, what else we got, Matt? You got tons of notes over there, man. Yeah. Well, just this is some of the things people ask. You know, and like, and you you sit there and go, I know that's right, but how do I know that's right? You know, mm-hmm. where do we prove that? And of course, going to the DOJ website is just brutal. But I'll just <laughs> talk about uh, you know officers being hurt or killed 
in the line of duty. You talk about being killed, and the FBI calls it feloniously killed. Uh, the number of officers between twenty two uh, sorry two thousand fifteen to uh, two thousand nineteen, two hundred fifty seven officers were killed feloniously on that. And you look at what was the number one, number two, the, the, what what kind of scenario where, where most officers were hurt. And you ask any officer that's probably been on to, for two years or less or more rather, they'll tell you traffic stops yep. and domestic violence, mm-hmm. yep. right? I look it up, and that's exactly what it is. And yet, you don't hear anybody saying, we're not going to go to any more domestic violence calls. Nope. You don't hear anybody telling the traffic division, or anybody really, for that matter, stop writing tickets, start pulling people over. Yet, if you want to go buy stats, and people say, oh, look how dangerous this is. Look yeah. at all the stuff going on. Like, no, well, now you're cherry-picking again. Because So, you mean yes. to tell me the argument of admin dudes or certain team leaders that my guy's life isn't worth a bag of dope so that's why we're not going to go dynamic on this or yeah. do a no-knock exception. You mean tell me that we don't have a lot of SWAT guys getting killed? No, on. you don't. And so you don't. And I would hmm. go back to what we were talking about earlier just with our stats as far as the way they shake out. When the bulk of the work that we do is warrant service without any doubt, and most SWAT teams are that yep. way. You know, it, And again, it's it's all relative to the, where they work and how big they are or whatever. But anyway, the vast majority of the warrants that you do. So when 90% – 80%, 90%, whatever numbers you have constitute the bulk of your work, and yet they have the least amount of just use of force in them, let alone being deadly force, not to minimize that, but so the use of force is least amount in most of the operations that you do, and yet the, the style or the type of operations that you do the least amount of, the surrounding call-out barricaded person, constitute over 90% of your use of force. Right. And they'll argue with you like, well, I'm not, I'm not coming up with these numbers. This is us. So the stats are there. The stats, so the stats are there. Are there. Yep. So is it more perception? It is perception. And it's just in the, yes. the no knock is one of those new, you know, catch words. Yeah. And, and the vast majority of people, and I even see it, even police to some degree, when they comment, they have no idea what they're talking about. They, nope. they, they sound, you know, just, they're uneducated, I guess is the best way to say that. And they're not, and they don't understand to what we were talking about earlier, they do not understand what we're saying, the no-knock. And it's like, again, just because the warrant has a no-knock clause in it does not mean that it's performed as a dynamic warrant service. It yeah. can be. Yeah. It has to. It, you have to have that in there to do it that way, and yet at the same time, doesn't mean that it is. And so when they say, and the Bre- Breonna Taylor uh, case is a perfect case. Yes, it is. It's a terrible thing that would happen. There's no doubt about that. There's no argument in that mistakes were made there, but you listen to what they say, you know, the media, she was killed during the performance of a no-knock warrant. Yes. It's absolutely not true. Then there was a, the warrant had the no-knock clause in it, but they did not perform it as such. Right. They announced that even the, the male suspect that they were looking for that shot at the officer and hit him, even in his own interrogation says, yes, they, they knocked on the door. They announced we could hear them saying something that he says he doesn't understand what they were saying, right. whether he did or does not hear them is not to the point that they were doing what they were thought to be doing right. right. They were knocking on the door, announcing, telling them who they were, telling them who yeah, that they're the, that the police. Back to your point earlier, what is a reasonable amount of time? This is a small apartment. Small apartment. It's not a huge structure. They, they, they say, again, the narcotics say about 45 seconds. Even the timing that the suspect inside is pretty close to that, you know, based on what he thought that they were there. So, so, so real fast, you just said the narcotics agent. Was it a SWAT team? Or no, was it wasn't it a, a SWAT team. So was it a, an ad hoc team? Well, so it, that goes into, should these guys have been doing this, right? Well, again, their department allows them to do that. I, the SWAT team 
was at another location and they had, they had done that. Now the team that knocked on the apartment where she was and that, you know, ended up shooting and, you know, and killing her, that team wasn't wearing body worn cameras. So you don't see what they were doing at the door other than what they talked about and what they said. And you have witnesses that live in there and then the suspect himself says what they do. So they've recreated it to a point where they breached the door after nobody answers the door after about 45 seconds or so the suspect inside says he doesn't know who that is according to him he fires one round which you know whether you it doesn't and we're not here right. to discuss that but that's what he says that happened we know he did fire around because right. one of the officers got shot in the leg that officer shot back went down and then the next officer to him basically unloads his whole mag yeah. it, down down the hallway and then you had a third officer who went out who was behind the stack ran out into the parking lot and fired about 15 rounds through several different windows. Yeah, which is so wrong. There's, I can't imagine any any department would ever say no. that's a viable tactic. No. So we agree that tactic is a no-go. Yeah, that, it's not even yeah. a tactic. That's yeah, just I a bad idea. That yeah, that, I'll, yeah. Say, I'll say so, that one. Yeah, and I'll say, again, this is not to go after them to say whatever. It could have been a really good team that one person made a really bad decision yeah. in doing that, but that's what you're seeing. So, But the whole thing, framework of the media and everybody that wants to shut down – the so-called air quote, no, not warrants were saying, well, that's what they were doing. Well, it's not what they were doing. We know that for a fact. And so to sit there and say that a surrounding call out, a breach and hold, whatever is a safer way of doing it. Well, the officer that got shot in the leg is not going to agree with that. And then Ryan Taylor is not going to be able to agree with that because she's dead. Yeah. And yet they say that that very way of doing it is safer for everybody. Well, yeah. that right there proves it's not right. But yet, if you ask the vast majority of people out there, what happened on that? Well, the know, police broke down the door, yeah. went in there and killed her. Right. That's what they believe. I mean, yeah. That's absolutely not what happened. What that happened was a tragedy. It should not have happened. But the the fact that the no-knock clause was in that warrant had nothing to do with what happened. So I, th- I think that's what I th- you, you kind of lead me to this point because that is one of the key things right now is what is being pushed sure. for an agenda. Yeah. That is a twisted agenda. And it goes against what we have always stood for as, as that is what is right is right. And what is wrong is wrong. Cause we're, we're all about justice. We, we really are at our core. We, so we wouldn't be doing this job, but I think this is what one of the issues I've, I've had and other people have had with this NTA uh, release is, is in here. It says as experienced law enforcement professionals, we appreciate the challenging facing policing and our intent is not to add to those difficulties. Well, I think they did add to those difficulties when you make statements as through the intent sounds reasonable and is no one theory. The practice is flawed at its very core. I I don't know how you don't draw anything besides the police are wrong. They should never do that. That's what this national organization is saying. I think that is so irresponsible because what we just pointed out is if you were to ask, oh, it was a no-knock warrant. They just went in there and basically assassinated this, broke into their house. That is not what factually happened, and I think that is wrong. You know, we can all agree that there's no easy answers, but there's, there's also a correct answer. No-knock search warrants, although well-intended, no longer pass the test of tactical science, risk mitigation practices, and liable conscious decision-making. Where is any of these things backed up at? Like, if you're going to make these this statement, you have to clarify a lot of this because now what you just did is there's more ammo to use against us when we're righteously and justifiably doing the correct thing, first legally, 
And under our SOPs, under state law, under what we have been trained to do, now that's just another obstacle that we have to go over because of this statement that that was was written, and there's no explanation about that. And I think that's – it goes back to what you just said. There's things that get thrown out there, and that's all there is because now this is going to be in any time there's a, quote, no-knock warrant, and we actually do the right thing, and that person inside wants to try to kill us and we respond back with force, that's going to be on CNN and all these people that don't like us no matter what we do. And I think that's where the irresponsibility comes in, and that's where I think so many people had a problem with what's going on. I think that's why we're here today. I know that's what we all talked about is just there is – I mean, we we discussed how many things how, – how to do this stuff, how to do different things. And, and I think that's where in a society now where – Everybody just hears these magical words and goes, oh, well, police are wrong because they did this. And that's, that's, I don't know how you do policing now when there's so many things that are, that are going against us when we know what we're doing is right. Because we look at the, the whole Brianna Taylor and we're sitting here nitpicking the things. We're not bringing in all the, the dirty laundry to the table. We're just saying, hey, that's not, no one shoots into a window just blindly. I mean, no one's going to agree with that. But once again, the the no knock exception clouds all that other bad judgment that was done, and that's not right. Well, so. I'd go back to you know if you look at the majority of use of force for or I'm sorry, deadly force with police, mm-hmm. traffic stops, yep, family violence calls, yeah. stop, whatever you want to call them, and yet again, never heard anybody say we will not go out to any family violence calls we're not going to do it it's dangerous because yeah. statistically it's the most dangerous thing the police Hell officers yeah. do yet you better get out there and get those calls and, and again yeah. i understand that i'm not saying this but so you and again there are people like well we can't stop going to those but we can limit these these calls here i'm like well when that domestic violence call turns into that hostage rescue yeah. <laughs> here they go again and so i, I can't t- every time i see something on the news about okay well they got into a uh, car chase, which again, I, and I talked to guys now that have been on the park for seven years and never been in a vehicle chase. Yeah. Well, it's frowned upon. It may be against policy. Well, well it is. Well, he, of- well, yeah, we have them where, you know, under certain circumstances yeah. in Dallas and in most departments, they do like it's a, it is a, you know, I hate to say the word fresh carjacking or it's a, it's a violent, you know, right. uh, cr- uh, hit, uh, felony in the, ma- you know, like a bank robbery or something like shooting suspects yeah. and they can do that. And then yet, you know, it's okay, well, okay, the officers that are in pursuit right now have been on for three years and they've never been in a chase ever. Mm-hmm. And then when, it, and God forbid they wreck out or they hurt somebody or kill somebody, like, well, how is this possible? And then they will stop doing chases. Well, okay. And then the minute that guy gets away and goes and does something wrong, why didn't you go arrest that guy? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's like, well, why didn't you do a traffic stop on this guy? Well, we did that. And then we last week and then they shot at us and we shot back. And then you said, well, we should have stopped him getting into the car. Yeah. Well, so which one is it? Again, it doesn't matter what we do. There's always going to be somebody that says you should have done it a different way. And most of them are unqualified to even make a statement to that regard, mm-hmm. let alone try to come up with, with facts or, okay, say, okay, you think the better way to doing it is this way, okay? What leads you to believe that? Yeah. What data do you sh- have to show that is a better way of doing it? Uh, they don't have anything. And so it's like, you're not qualified to even speak to me about this. Go find somebody else that wants to come in here with an intelligible conversation. We'll have it. Yeah. We can do it right here, right now. Until then, don't come to me because I'm the one that had to make the decision right then, not you. Well, I think, too, like we go back to like the national average of officer-involved shootings as far as round countability. It's awful. I mean, awful. I helped uh, this weekend uh, 
Scott Jelinski teach a uh, red dot class to civilians. I couldn't believe how many good shooters were out there. I was looking at that thinking, I think probably 90% are better than most of the average officers out there because they train. I mean, they're spending well, so a lot that's of my money. thing is those guys want to be there. Yeah. They're going to pay the money to have Scott come in. Those guys want to be there. You know, as the range guy now, I'm I'm telling you right now, um, you have I, I don't want to throw numbers out there, but you have officers and every agency has officers that they are forced to go to yearly training. Yep. They're forced to go to a qualification. They don't want to be there. They just do the bare minimum and they really don't care. One is complacency because they've never been into a shooting, right? So therefore it's never going to happen to them because it hasn't happened to them yet. Yeah. And they just, they just don't care. And the thing is that's a bigger issue in our community. The policing community is round accountability and the lack of officers wanting to train, having the ability to train, having well, the resources to train, then is, are we serving a no knock or so knock here's my thing with the training deal as just a generic police officer I, I hate me hate to say that you know said like a SWAT guy but look at everything that a patrol guy and gal what they have to be good at they have to be yeah. good at so a lot of hats dude oh my a gosh. lot of hats right yeah. something's going to give yeah right and unfortunately it's that tactical you know it's that tactical firearms or uh, alert or driving. active shooter driving those are the things that uh, that give or that you know that these guys lack on because the departments are pushing so much other training out there and they really don't put a big emphasis on the tactical training the fire uh, the uh, the firearms the uh, the alert the active shooter response yeah. uh, you know the driving things Damn like it, that you better do your computer training or she'll get a nasty or, email and shit you know, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I've ever had a legislature come in and say, we want y'all to be better at shooting. Yeah. So we're going to pass something that says, you know, this, but we're going to pass a law that says you got to do this, you know, and believe me, there's a lot of good stuff that has been pushed out. But at the same time, you know, if, if I don't complete that quarterly update, then like you said, you get an email or something like that. But yeah, they're like, okay, well, you didn't go to training or you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go out and perform very well at the one range day you get every other year for the yeah. core cycle. Okay. Because it costs money, right? You got to have facilities. You got to have competent people to teach. You got to, you know, just going out there and loading mags and burning down, no, you know, 50, 50 rounds of ammo. You know, you're not doing anything good yeah. there. You're already doing is dirty up your gun. But yet, if you have good training and you have people that, and, I, and I've said this before, you look at people that are competent and they're just, they're, and they believe in their ability. There's less shootings involved with that. Yes. Okay. So it's and, I, and I, when I say this, it's easy to pull the trigger. What I mean by that is, is that it doesn't take a whole lot to just pull around to pull the trigger. Anybody can do that. Any officer can do that on any situation. What it takes is it takes training, experience, yep. discipline not to pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen on video where one somebody fires off one round and there's just a hail of bullets after that? Mm-hmm. You're just shooting everywhere. Yep. And that's and that's that's us. And we cannot be that way, but it happens. And so you're like, Well, I guarantee the department never trained you to do that. Well, they never trained me not to do it this exactly. way either. And so this goes goes back to training again. If anything this conversation has shown is the lack of training and the vast majority of police involved shootings are Patrol-based officers answering family violence calls and traffic stops. Yeah, and yet, how often do they get to go and perform that function in in Sims RBT and then to the live range? If you can't do walkthroughs, you can't do it in Sims. How do you ever expect mm-hmm. to do it live? Oh. And th- that's that's the natural progression. Yet, you know, unless you're in a 
a unit that has the ability to go train and you just work patrol and God, God love those guys. Yeah. Um, okay. I get it. One, I get it once every other year because the state mandates it. Well, that's not enough. We all recognize that, no. but, that but nobody ever comes in and says, well, this guy did this. He shouldn't ever shot, uh, make him go do more, uh, crisis mitigation where you never get into the shooting. Okay. <laughs> we give you a gun and, and body armor for a reason. It will happen eventually to some people. Yeah. Let's make those guys really good at it. So therefore, you don't have that problem. But then, it, it just again, it's a vicious cycle, like yeah. you're talking about, because yeah. these guys, like you know, like like you said, these guys wear so many hats; they have to be good at so many things. Jack of all trades is master nothing, really. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons. Whereas, you know, there's been incidents where we've had guys that are just right on the cusp of you know not showing us one hand; they're hiding behind something yeah. or whatever. And you're you're ready. But you're like, hey, I, I gotta be, I gotta be positive. I gotta be 100 percent sure what I'm doing. Yeah. And because you have trained, and because you have good equipment, and you have good training, and you've utilized cover, or, or like I'm, I'm confident with my rifle, whatever. Yeah, I can, I can do this. And so you don't, you're not so apt just to go and because you're again, what's fear, right? It happens. Everybody yeah. gets scared. I and mean, you know, anybody says otherwise, they're lying to you. But you're like, how do you control that fear? How do you channel it into doing the right thing? Yeah. Training. Well, because it comes back to reps. You have to have a, a lot of pretest to be able to do the test, the test day. When test day comes, and no one knows when test day is going to come, if it ever comes. But damn it, you better have a lot of pretest before that. And fortunately for us, we've had a lot of pretest for our test uh, because of the rally based training, because of training that we have done and real life operations that we have done. And so. To, to sell these guys short, I think that that's the problem. And it goes back to other teams that don't have a lot of training. They don't have a lot of the pretest. So when test day comes, man, you're only going to rise the level of your, you know, of, of your training. And, and that's what we're seeing a lot. I mean, watch videos of, of, of a lot of these officer involved shootings. And a lot of times you can go, yeah, that officer gave that bad guy the opportunity because he wasn't decisive. He let that guy dictate what was going to happen. And I, that's wrong. And, and, you know, you're talking about legislating things. I, I'm, I'm, I hate when that happens. But if you're going to do that to police, man, you legislate reality-based training, driving, and shooting, how much we had to do each year, that would, that would send shockwaves of positive uh, shockwaves in our community if they were to do that instead of some of the other bullshit stuff that we have to do. But it goes back to what do you put value in? And unfortunately they want to say they put value in this, but at the end of the day, they don't, it only, it only happens when things hit, hit the news and then they want to grab the easiest little thing. Oh, let's no knock warrants. Oh, it's police just shoot these people. Not man. That is so off base and it's so wrong and that's what it's so bad when you give media and and just entities that don't like us more ammunition because this is it's hard enough job what we have right now and I, that's that's what's just frustrating so what else you got Derek? let's uh let's get into like intelligent gathering and planning for those no knock exceptions sure um how important is that it's and, critical yeah uh, yeah so yeah. i mean it's it's you know well, you win before you go to war, Sun Tzu, right? That's the same thing here. Uh, you know, the detectives you know, or whatever body that's bringing that warrant, they're responsible for what's in the warrant. Yep. Name, date of birth, mm-hmm. address, dat, you know, all the stuff that goes into the warrant. They're responsible for that. And then when they hand it off to us or to you, whatever, whoever entity is, is responsible for serving that warrant, 
Now it's on you. You need to ask, hey, what is this? What is that? That's your job. You know, and having done that, you know, it, you know, and we all like, oh, I got to call that guy back and ask about this or whatever. We've had we've had detectives walk in there and just hand it just the whole thing to you. Like, Man, that thing is just signed, sealed, and delivered. They just it's so full of information, and they have every little thing talked because they're professionals. Yes. They, we have great detectives with Dallas that they go, okay, he gets up. This is what he does. This is his car. His brother drives his car. The house across the streets is, my, you know, whatever. Yep. And they they have done all that because they've done their job. They're detecting. And they give great information, and then sometimes you have them that are a little bit less involved. involved. And so, but it doesn't matter. You've got to go find that out. And yeah. so they come in, they give you the warrant. This is who we and you go through that little briefing with them and you get all that intel from them. And then you push out and you go do your recon. You look at that location or, you know, with it, it, like I said, it could be a small 600 square foot apartment to a big mansion to this house over here is a duplex. And but they've kicked out the wall in between and they go to both sides of the yeah, duplex. Yeah. We've had that, and you're like, yep. you know, and before you become a police officer, you're like, who would do that? Yes. Who does that? Right. But those, when they said duplex, people in Dallas, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, then when you give, when we get a duplex, the first thing that every one of us ask, okay, is there a go between? You know, mm-hmm. they, how, you know, do you know it, the left right. side and the right side are totally separated? Yeah. And usually, like, I don't know. It's like, okay. And so those are one of the first things you got to discuss. Like, okay, where, what does the warrant say? Is is that that building an old building that was turned into a duplex? We have that right. a lot. Yeah. They just close off one door yeah. with drywall. And like, well, no, that's still one location, <laughs> but they separated it into. So all these things. And there's a – we've been all night trying to come up with all that. So there's a, a million different factors that go into play. You take all that in, and then that's where the experience comes from, right? Yeah. That you had the experience to look at this and go, I don't even need to ask about that because it's not applicable on this mm-hmm. one. Whereas that one it is. Yeah. And you know, people say, Matt, you know, what is you worried about barricades and a big house? I said, No, it's the third floor apartment that has one door and one window that we can get to. That's the one that bothers you. That's the one yeah. you worry about because you're only you know, you're only can go one way one in. Way, and, yeah. and, and you don't have the ability to put him in the little loop and divide him up or, you know, very yeah. limited. And so you do all that. You take all that into account. Again, this is experience and, you know, having those reps and say, okay. And then you just go to work on it and you throw up a rough plan. You start looking at manpower allotment. Who does this? Who does that? And then somebody comes in there and goes, hey, there's a fence right there. You're like, I missed that. <laughs> Yeah. Totally changes the whole scope, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. your guys working with you, right? And you yeah. can't you can't go in there and be all upset if somebody said, "Hey, that's a bad idea." So, how many times have you guys had the no knock exception and you start to plan it, cuss and discuss? You're drawing everything up on whiteboards and watching videos and drive bys and all this. How many times have you guys go, "Man, shit, this is not going to work in no knock. This is better served as a." Surround a call out. This is better served as a knock and announcer. Yeah. You know that happens. It's not all the time. You know, again. You may do one in three months. You may do three in that one month. Right. You know, so, it just depends. So you're so. telling me that you guys have the knowledge and the experience and just the um, the mindset that even though you have it, you don't have to use it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and 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 I was being like really sarcastic sure. there because like that's my thing is uh, being I, sarcastic. I, well, yeah, that too. Yeah. I see a lot of guys like a lot of teams that like smaller teams, less experienced that they they have that no knock exception. And my team, if I'm looking at it, I probably wouldn't run it as a no knock just because of things that I'm seeing, you know. But man, they ha- like they have it; they're gonna do it. Yeah, right. And honestly, you're just like, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we here? What's the What's the benefit of of doing this versus right something else? Well, and again, you could you could bring up one structure and say, here is a typical reason why you would want to do it dynamic, you know, and all the things that go along with that. 
And you may have another team come in and go, hey, we've only got 12 guys. Yeah. So if you take that house out of Dallas and put it in, you know, insert name, county, in Big Bend area yeah, of, yeah. of the state, <laughs> right. where they can see you coming from 50 miles in every direction. Yeah. Now, we don't, not like we don't get made either, but it's, just, it's a different. Yeah, it's a different It's, different, okay, it's a different animal. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I have 12 guys. Okay. And we know there's always three of them in there. Yeah. Okay. So so right then, that's you're down. Even if you just put one guy on each guy, that's nine guys to clear the rest of that. What is your best practices? What right. is your choices? And so you're like, well, it's limited application. So you're like, okay, either we go back to the board and figure out we got to bring in more guys, which we've done that. We've had Garland and Irving come in and yep. help us because manpower, you know, when you're the largest department in the area and you still need resources, what does that tell you? Yeah. yeah. You know, and so y'all had to come help us. Mm-hmm. We've had to go help y'all, you know, equipment, bodies, whatever. Yeah. And when you're the largest in the area and you still need help, that tells you that yeah. everybody else out there is going to need help at some time. Right. And there's, there's no shame in that. Oh, for sure. And that's why having good training is important. Not just your total, like, well, this is all we've ever done and nobody's ever said otherwise. You got to have, we got to have some kind of crossover to other. But anyway, so you go to all that and you do all this, you know, uh, intel gathering, recon, whatever you want to call it. And you put that plan up and you go, and then Brandon walks in and says, well, there's a fence over there that we didn't even see. Yeah. Dang, we got to change that. Or like, hey, it doesn't change anything we're doing. It just depends. Yeah. Right. And you come in and then you start making assignments. Again, personnel, training. Is this guy is is he he's so new? Is he can we do this with him? And then you go to that team leader. Yeah, he's good to go. Or like, no, no. he's brand new. <laughs> no, he's going to be back with the lieutenant four blocks away, listening on the radio. Yeah. Like, okay, and not that you wouldn't know that already, but right. you you go through there, you make your assi- personnel selection and personnel assignments huge. Yes, it because is. there are some guys that can pry. They walk up there, they're mechanically inclined. Right. They see a cage and they use a pry tool and they can work that barricade. And there's some people just they can't figure out which way is up or down. Yeah. It's just it's it's, again, it's yeah. a natural thing. And you got you're like, hey, that's a large dude. That's a small balcony. Yeah. Maybe I should go up there beside you. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe we should, you know, well, that's a tall window. And we yeah. got we got some tall guys. Like, yeah. hey, you don't want me to I need <laughs> you two guys to be on this port to cover yeah. with Derek because yep. this five seven dude over here is not gonna make it yep, happen. Right. So you gotta make that. And so again, when you have a large team like us, you have that flexibility to say, I need these guys to go do that. Whereas you're on a small team, again. Like I don't have that luxury. I've right. got those three guys with the newest guys. I've got to put them. Got to use those. I got and I get that. And I'm not saying you're wrong for doing that. But then you ought to go back and look and go. Well, maybe we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Again, to your point, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. You know that's a big thing. And you look at it's. It's not about equipment necessarily. It's software over hardware. Is that you can have? I have seen many teams come in with great equipment. I mean, they, they've got nice weapons. They got, you know, even before, you know, years ago, before we got yeah. all of our new upgrades, they had everything better than we did. Right. And they couldn't apply them. They no. couldn't even turn, turn them on. And we did the night vision thing, you know, last year. We brought in some guys, some good dudes. I know a couple of them. And I said, how long have you had that? I've had it for a year and a half. I've never turned it on. I'm like, why? He goes, what? Yeah, we, don't, don't. we don't do it. And so we're working with this guy to turn on the night vision. He's assigned <laughs> to him. And, you know, and I'm not going to say who he is, but yeah. he was just like, man, I needed that. And so, again, you know, what is your abilities? Be honest right. with yourself, no. you know? And so that's the big thing coming in. And then you say, okay, now we have the plan on the board. These are the assignments. And then you start chalk talking about that. Okay. And, and you're like, well, I don't know. And so you work all those little nuances out because you've made your assignments on who it is. And so what you have is, is you have several cells of guys working on their specific mission, right? To to accomplish the bigger mission, which is the structure or whatever. Yeah. So you're going to go do your task. You're going to go do your task. I'm going to do my task in concert, working with one another mm-hmm. 
against that structure or the suspect, whatever, however you want to word that, to accomplish what we need to do. Okay. You go back and talk to your guys, you talk to my guy, and then we talk about it again. And then you lay it all out there. Is everybody good with you? Is everybody good with you? Do you know your assignment? What do you do? And then you start, okay, if this happens, what does that change? Yeah. If you have people out front, if you have a car on the drive, if there's a yeah. gate there, that gate's locked, which I've had them go, Matt, that gate has never been locked. But you pull when they there, say that, you know yeah. it's always oh, going to yeah. be locked. Yeah, you know it's going yeah. yeah. to be locked. And, yeah. uh, you know, and not yeah. to say that they're wrong, but yeah. it's just the way. But at the same time, you're like, okay, we've already talked about that. And then, you know, how many times you've been on the, you know, in the van or on the APC driving and the surveillance is like, they just closed the gate. Yeah. There's a baby out front yeah. now. You know, her, <laughs> Murphy mom, always her mom's up there buying dope, holding her Yeah, while she's buying dope. Yeah. And the surveillance is seeing that. And you're like, pull over and wait. Yeah, we're not two waiting. Minutes. We gotta yeah. wait. Gotta wait. So, but the whole point of that is just because you have it, you don't have to use it. Right. Because you guys, and which everybody should be doing, you're looking one, this is the, this is what a majority of teams across this country are going to have to look at. It's manpower. Huge. Right. Yeah. So if I'm hitting a four bedroom house and I've got 12 dudes, okay, how many dudes per room, two per room, that's a tactical absolute, right? right. At yeah, least two to room. But now if I run into like three or four like legit bad dudes in the main entry point, well, now I, my team of 12, let's say is a team of 10 or nine, yeah. nine or 10, right? So again, I mean, we are, we're losing bodies as this thing grows or yeah. as, these, as these little contingencies of Murphy shows up, right? right. So I... What the whole thing is is like I think a lot of teams they have it and they're like fuck we're gonna fucking do it because we're fucking swapped yeah or right? yeah. we're too we can't put our pride aside and ask another team correct because we've done port well, covers for y'all yeah. many many times yeah and we looked at you know like we looked at team structure we're like holy shit man we got like twenty something dudes on the team so and so is out on vacation so and so sick so and so injured yeah. shit man we have just enough guys to maybe take a window and get an entry team in but shit we really want to take this back window or this other window hey let's call Garland. Yeah, and then the thing for us is like, well, if you got two operations going at the same time, yeah, yeah, and that's, well, we've yeah. been out on many times. We've been out running a warrant, and then they come on the you know on the radio and go, "Hey, we got a murder suspect pinned down there," or we got a, yeah, you know, whatever. You can just you know, plug in whatever scenario you want, and like, okay, we got to wrap this thing up and get out of here. Yeah, and uh, even with us, I mean, we're stretched thin. You got so many bodies, you got people hurt, people out. You know, it's promote whatever the case may be you always every team has you know manpower issues to some degree yeah and but again you got to be honest there's been times where you have to drop that fucking machismo and you have to be honest with yourself like you're saying and go dude we cannot handle it this way so we should handle it this other way yeah i'll give you a perfect example two weeks ago we had a great sergeant who was in narcotics for a long time is now he promoted he's out you know in the field and he is his guys do great work and he says hey we won't try to run this warrant on this day can y'all Take care of that for us. Sure. Well, the ice and all that was coming in. And the major and the lieutenant are like, hey, let's push it back one day just because of the weather. Because, like, if we have to get down there, because there's two operations going to different locations, ice and all that, and if we have to move armor and try yeah. to move guys in between, it, it just you, what's a 20,000-pound truck going to do on ice? It's going to slide just like everybody yeah. is, right? And so you have to say, look, let's wait one day. Yeah. And that's just – that's not saying we can do it live whenever we want. Like, you know, that's, just, that's just a perfect example of, like, okay, let's adapt. You know, yeah, it's like, hey, we want to run this thing at night, you know, because the night vision gives us an advantage, or we're going to be compromised if we don't do that, or we need to wait till tomorrow. And uh, you know, I've been there on many six a.m. federal deals where oh, we're yeah. showing up, and the guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, here we go. And so, you know, we looked at it as you know, again one of the busier teams in the country as far as warrant service. We don't do anything dynamic 
you know, with, you know, around 6 a.m. anymore. It's like 9 o'clock now. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you want to do it? You want us to do that? So either we will do it at 9 or you can wait or get somebody else to do it. And they're like, well, nobody else can do this. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see at 9, you know, or whatever. And just not that you're trying to be difficult about it, but you're like, look. So what's the, I mean, like, I mean, we know the reasoning, but for the non-LE dudes, what's the reasoning for you guys not doing it at 6 a.m.? Well, we've had many shootings, you know, where we've been shot at, um, on incidents like that, because again, you're talking about, well, they're in bed or they're, the guys think they're getting robbed, or, they're getting robbed yeah, or, right. or they've been up, you know, tweaking all night long. Yep. They've only been asleep for like 30 minutes, yep. you know, and they're all whacked out of their mind. Yep. So you're like, okay. And then you start looking at things. And, and again, this is what we, this is what a lot of people don't give the teams credit for. You're looking at schools, you're looking yeah. at daycares. Oh, yeah. There is a school or a daycare in, in walking distance anywhere in Dallas. You just got to walk a couple blocks. Oh, There's yeah. one there somewhere. And buses and run everywhere. Yeah. And so then you're looking at, you know, vehicular traffic, pedestrian traffic. You're trying to reroute and you try to do a surrounding call out at 6 a.m. when people are getting up and get going. Cause especially yeah. around there with tra- traffic people get up early start leaving mm-hmm. and then you're trying to say i got the whole block trying to go to work right now at 6 30 in the morning and we shut the whole thing down and now they're walking by you cussing at you because you're trying to ours the street got cars and parked on both sides yeah, and, now, and, and now we can't get our apc, down, get there, APC so, down there so i mean so yeah, yeah. so I mean, it just you know again each each scenario i guess a scenario each location has to have its own, you know, matrix put to it, you know, threat level. Yeah. Suspect does. And you know, a lot of times they come in and go, we don't have any idea who this guy is in there, uh, but he sells dope or he's he's known to have guns in there or whatever. Whatever the case may be. Okay. We don't know who he is. So we don't have, but you just got to go off the idea that, okay, he's doing a crime. He's committing a crime. So you have to expect the, his, him to not want to go to jail. So he's going to run or try to fight back. How do you solve that? Back to what we were talking about earlier is that you try to overwhelm them. Yep. Okay. But yeah, there's a school right down the road. Yeah. Okay. We don't want to do it at 8 a.m. when all the kids are going to school. You don't want to do it at 3.30 when they're getting out. Let's do it at 10. Yeah. You know, and so there, I think there's a lot of times. And I mean, yeah. like the school thing with us, we'll even notify the SRO at the yeah, school. Yeah, we do that. And yeah. go, hey, let's lock down the school. Like yeah. nothing big. Just, hey, lock down the school yeah. because we're doing this. And as soon as we are code four and the scene is secure, we'll let you know that, right. hey, well, yeah. we're good. And then you yeah. guys can go back to normal yeah. uh, daily operations. I think there's a lot of things that can be done. And you're like, why didn't I think of that? You know, a lot of these teams. You know, I'm not getting, not trying. We all had to learn how to do it too. Yeah, somebody, yeah, exactly. somebody had to tell us how to do it. And so you look and say, hey, what can we do to help mitigate some of this? You can't get all of it out of there. I think the big thing is, is that when you recognize, hey, we have we have a mission we were trying to accomplish. How's the best way to do this? And then you you just go up and talk about that. And the biggest thing is is having discussions with your guys and talking about this versus that point versus counterpoint. Yeah. I have been up there, and somebody walk up there and just show me where I just totally missed something. Yeah, you're like, oh, shit. Like, I, I didn't even see that. <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's a great point. That's a great question. Or they come in and they go, what about this? Like, okay, I, I get that, but I, when I went by and looked at it, here's the three reasons why I don't want to yeah. do that. And that's fine. You, you, yeah. any, any operation, any plan will stand up to scrutiny. That's fine. That's what your guys are there for. And then when they're up there drawing on the board, you go, hey, Brandon, what about this? Hey, what about that? Like, no, that's a great point. And it does that. And there's no shame in that. That's right. how we get better. And then you come back and go, great call. Yeah. That was a great job. And that's that team thing. That's that working together. That's the experience. That's having those reps, you well, know, th- where you trust your guys. I think, too, I think that's what's so important. The way we do things with SWAT is there's so much planning that goes into it. So when you do serve this warrant or whatever is going to happen and you do have to use deadly force it just builds in more totality of the circumstances on our our half saying hey we did this 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 look at how much intel we had look at this look at that 
that's just, it's almost building a good case. And I think that's the way we got to look at things is it helps us out as Intel. It helps us out if there's ever a, a legal case in this. Or it just, the more information you have, the better. It, it just makes things smoother and, and, and guys are on the right page and, and they know what to expect. They know, hey, man, this guy has this. This is his history. This is his Facebook page. This is what he currently, all this stuff goes into just to make the operational better. So let me ask you this. So if you, detectives come to you and said hey matt we have a uh, house four bedroom house uh and they we know we're getting a warrant for child sex trafficking 14 15 16 year old girls in here uh and there's about 10 of them and there's four to five guys that work the door and they work this and there's always people coming and going would you want a no knock or a knock and announce warrant on that? Yeah, the mail again. I'd much rather be able to be dynamic and be right. on the move because that's that's a potential hostage right. situation. We're trying to minimize, it. and we've had very right. similar to that scenario happen, with, you know, with us. And because you go, hey, let's knock and announce and do all this surrounding call out, and they want to start taking. You just potentially built in a hostage situation. I think. Well, we just messed that one up. Well, and I think that goes back to we, whenever you plan an operation, you have to not only plan for you make your original plan, then you have those contingencies, but you also go to look at if this goes bad. Yeah. You know what is our fallback plan? Can we do that? Mm-hmm. Because there's some agencies. You know they they're in SWAT or I say SWAT teams, not agency necessarily, but it could be these you know multi jurisdictional teams where. The one guy that has gas in less lethal is yeah. off. Yeah. It's like, well, if you run this operation and things go bad and it turns into a barricaded person, yeah. you don't have anybody there to do anything to help try to solve that. And so you have to be able to look at the scenario and say, not only what is your original plan, what can we do if it goes right, but you got to look at, okay, and then once you put that plan up on the board, you go, okay, what can go wrong? Yeah. What could change here? The gate being locked, you know, there's a car in the drive. If there's a car in the drive, we're done. Either yeah. we've got to either we've got to figure out to drive through the neighbor's yard or something, right. or push back. We'll wait fifteen minutes, pull over to the side of the road on on the street over here, and let their surveillance say, "Hey, that car's gone. We're good to go now." Yeah. And so you there's but if you don't have the ability to to see the operation to completion, yeah, you're really setting yourself up for trouble down the road because you know there's a lot of you know, you know, push to have, okay, we, we got to get everybody out there and just, okay, well, do you know how long it takes compared yeah. to dynamic versus surrounding call out? You could be yeah. out there for hours yeah. on a surrounding call out. And I'm not saying that you're trying to do it just strictly for time's sake, but it matters. Yes. Putting people out there in the cold, in the heat, well, you're, what, you got another operation yeah. to run and vehicular traffic, pedestrian traffic. What is this downtown about, Dallas or is this at the dead end of the street? Let's way, talk about yeah. like freaking the damage to the house. If the person just refuses to come out and let's say it's the, uh, the triple homicide guy, right? right. We're not going to go in there. So we're going to start introducing gas, gas right? right? I mean, destroy that house. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we are going to destroy the house. Yeah. I mean, to where like, it's not going to be livable. Right. Yeah. So, Imagine, imagine like admin dudes saying, okay, we're not doing any more no knock warrants. Mm-hmm. We're doing everything around call out. When are they going to go? Holy shit. Now we got to write a check for this or now we're yeah. like liable for yeah, your, grandma's your house. Budget or, just went up. Yeah. So right. budget went up overtime went up because we're going to spend extra time on target. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, because I mean, if you're saying we're is doing this, gonna, this for your safety. So before I go in there, because someone's not going out or even if they come out, I can't trust them, so I should be busted out every single window. I should be doing so much from the outside before I go in because we don't want anybody going in. So 
you, you can't have it both ways of, okay, well, we're going to surround a call. Okay. They came out. Okay. Just go through the front door and just go search the place. Yeah. That, mean, beats, we, that beats the, that defeats the purpose we, of why we did all this. We have shown up loud hell and they walk right out yeah. and you don't do anything yep. other than take them into custody. And if it's just a rest warrant, you're good. Or yeah. If you got to do the search warrant, you got to go clear the structure. That's fine. Right. And we don't do anything. And when the robot works, you yeah. get it in there. It doesn't get caught on the first piece of, uh, yeah. Well, you know, floor. yeah, just whatever it's like, you know, or this, the drone doesn't fall, whatever, you know, and yeah. everybody has that, but you go in there and clear it and like, Hey, you know, we're done in less than an hour. Great job. You know, like, well, it's a good job by everybody because you did your job. But let's be honest, we're the reason why it went this way because they chose not to fight back. Mm-hmm. Which I, they chose not to, you know, make us come get them. And then we've literally had to drive the APCs into the house, you know, to try to destroy a corner of it we think he's maybe in. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we have, I mean, we've shot every piece of know, gas piece you of have. Piece of gas you have. Yeah. We have to go back and get more, yeah. you know, and do all that. Or like, hey, we, we got to do, we got to figure something out because, you know, and we had that just last year where we just pretty much used everything we had until. We just started taking the house away from him, you know, with the guys with the booms. And then mm-hmm. they saw him crawl. And he was under a crawl space and all that. And we finally got him. But yet, yeah, I think seven hours we were out there, you know, it so, was every single. So if Dallas every warrant out. service turned into, let's say not even seven hours, but like a three to four hour ordeal, yep. right? Or, um, you know, if, if one of their tactics is to let the guy just leave yeah. and stop him on traffic, then go hit the house or go do whatever tactic that you're yeah. going to use on the house. So I turned a, an hour or two operation into a four or five hour operation. Now I got guys on overtime or I got guys away from their, from their, um, assignments. Their, their, yeah. Their yeah. assignments and patrol or CID or wherever they're at. Right. How long is this going to go and where, and, and, and when is it just going to stop? Yeah. You got to have a relief factor built in and whether you're a part-time team, full-time team, somewhere in between, you're like, okay, if, where do I say this is, we're done, you know, it's like, well, you've been out here for however long. And so those are discussions you should have beforehand. You got to have it again. If, if you're planning an operation, you've got to be able to see it throughout completion to the end, whether it's him surrendering, you going in there and get it, whatever the case may be. We've had guys kill themselves We've mm-hmm. had guys come out and, you know, with a gun trying to, you know, shoot at us. And then, then you know, that, that happens uh, and everything in between, you know, try to hide and you're like, there is no way to under, to know that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had, you know, surveillance out there for that. We've been out here for a day. We've never seen any kids coming to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. days rather. Right. Well, there's three kids in there. Yeah. And I'm like, and I don't doubt that detect, you know, that those right. are good dudes. They're doing a great job. Yeah. Those kids got there a week ago and they've never been outside, yeah. you know, and you're like, okay. And again, you not to say you can't do what you're doing, but there's no way to plan for everything. You just try, again, it comes from experience and have that. But if you don't have the ability to see it through completion, you're setting your, cause you're like, you go in there and run that warrant and, and you get shots fired at the door or you, you have to shoot somebody, then you back out then, but yet you can't complete it. Well, then you got to get, you got to call, you know, the SWAT team to come yeah. out there and handle that. And then you're adding to the time you're adding, yeah. Yeah. you know, cause now you got this, and I don't care about overtime. That's I'm not writing the checks. I know that, you know, the, oh, the apartment kids are shipping yeah, overtime. Yeah, yeah, well, sure they do. Yeah. And I get that. I mean, it's not me? my, it's not my concern, <laughs> but at the same time, you have to be realistic. You go, it is a consideration. It's, yeah. it's in there. It's built mm-hmm. in. And so everybody to say that you're going to go in there and go, we'll do this and it'll be done in, you know, in 30 minutes, an hour. Well, that, that thing can turn into five hours just like that. Yeah. And you're, and you're stuck. Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm not going to make that, baseball practice no. <laughs> you know or no. whatever we've all been there so no for sure so we've been talking for almost two hours okay is there anything that you want to hit on talk uh, talk about that we haven't covered yet 
Well, there's, I think, you know, you just have to look at it. Selection is critical. Training is critical. You know, everybody say, oh, they just don't say the same things. Well, it is. It's selection of your per- people is very, very important. Training of them is very important. And then having the reps, having the experience and the live operations, it all plays into it. And if you and if you short circuit one of those or don't go fully on one of those, it'll eventually catch up to you. And so you look at, you know, the best golfers, the the best batters, the best pitchers, quarterbacks, they all go out there and do what? Take batting practice mm-hmm. or they take snaps or they they putt or they do whatever. It is it you know, their work they're they're always honing that skill set. Yeah. And it's just critical. And so you like if you know, if you have, you know, Tom Brady or somebody come in and say, look, I want to come in an extra hour early yeah. to do this. You think they won't have everybody there ready to go to do that? Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll give you, here's five guys, go do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. I want you to be the best. Yeah. Because, and that, and if he throws intercepts, nobody dies. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and so, and I mean, I know that sounds simplistic, but you no. know, it's you, you have to recognize that being able to train and to be able to, because otherwise, if you're not committing to them to let them be successful, then don't have them. Yeah. Because no, exactly. you're, you're 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 sending them into harm's way to do a job to what you know what uh, he mentioned earlier is that a lot of them have never done it. Yeah, you know we're fortunate now with our chief, you know, in his previous department he worked in SWAT, and so you have that familiarity with that. But a lot of commanders beneath him and you know in the past and in the future may never had that experience, and so they don't understand what that you know what that does. And I think that you know people have to recognize that. There's an evil out there. You can't reason with them. You can't bargain with them. You're not going to make them comply. They're not. You're not going after them for not going to Sunday school. There's a reason why you're there. Yes. And so you're like, okay, to think that he's going to just all of a sudden go, I'm going to start doing the right thing, <laughs> is you, you, is short sighted. You're not going to have that. And uh, something that we, you know, I was listening to. Uh, you know, I'm big on quotes and speeches. And people make fun of me about that, but I think one of the things that uh, um, you have to recognize is that you know. Eventually, it comes down to there is no other options. It's us. That's usually the SWAT team, you know, yep. coming in, and or or police. Let's just say law enforcement, and inside that is subgroups of, you know, traffic, homicide, whatever. And, you know, you have to be able to go out and get these guys. And I have this thing here, and this is um, ad lib somewhat from what something that Ronald Reagan was talking about. But um, he says there's always a potential to risk to anyone involved in the law enforcement incident. This is some of his words and some of mine, but. We do everything we can do to reduce or mitigate that. There's a risk in any course we follow, and but every lesson in history tells us a greater risk lies in appeasement. Yep. That's what you're seeing now with the media, yes. right? And everybody, the appeasement. That's what the NTOA is doing. They're appeasing the people that come in and pay all this grant money for them to run these run all this training. This is my opinion on this. Mm-hmm. You know that they're appeasing these people because it's easier. Yeah, because they're the ones writing the checks. So. This is what this is what some well-meaning people refuse to acknowledge. When we give in to pressure, when their policies of accommodation is appeasement, if we continue to accommodate, continue to retreat, eventually we will face the ultimate demand. What then? Just refuse to conduct any kind of operation because of the potential danger that someone may get hurt? Yeah. Are we going to come in and go? Okay, we're, we're not doing anything today. It's too dangerous. Yeah. But uh, this guy's dangerous. This guy's a murder suspect. This guy just kidnapped this child. We need you to go get him. Yeah. You know that dope dealer that. They took that one little girl a couple years ago in Dallas because mm-hmm. her her uncle, I think, owed them money. They killed her. Yeah, man, let me go get exactly. that operator. Let me go get those guys and take them into custody and secure that little girl. Let her yeah. go home. But no, she she got killed. So what? Then just refuse to conduct any kind of operation that makes somebody may get hurt. When the anti police woke mob goes back and tells their people that they know what our response will be, 
they know that we are retreating under the pressure. Yeah. We're retreating under that scrutiny. Well, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's out there uh, till one day that we will have no more ground to give up. And then we will simply, ju- they will just not quit. As long as they believe they can manipulate the situation, as long as they feel like, as long as I gripe enough yep. or bad rap them enough or give them enough bad publicity that they'll, they'll, they'll give up. And then eventually you get painted in that corner. You have no more ground to, to hold on. And then you're into the point where like, you know, a lot of the, especially in the Northwest where yeah. they have just been crippled by policy and appeasement where they're, unless they're just basically shooting at people, do not do, I mean, you know, and it's, it's sad. I hear people. And it I talk, is. So you see people and be, you know, get a message on Instagram. Somebody from another PD wants to shoot you a mm-hmm. message. And you're like, man, that what you said is so true. Like, you know, I, I live that every day here. And like, yeah. you know, they are so against us or doing anything. And it's like, I don't know how you survive that. I mean, we've been fortunate for the most part not to live that boy, but you're seeing that. And I think this whole thing with the NTOA is that it's that appeasement of those special interest groups and all it's just, it's that squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing. Yeah. Like I want the people to go away. What they don't recognize is that the, the grease you're giving them now They'll be squeaky again next week. They're mm-hmm. going to come right back and take this from them. And it's just like, I'll give you a perfect example. They had a deal the other day. I can't remember where it was that the patrol officer shot them, you know, it gazed him with a 40 millimeter sponge round and hit him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why are we doing this? That's for SWAT. It's like, well, it's griped that you were bringing the SWAT team out. So we yeah. gave these guys that this yeah. is in, this is in, in, in reflection of what you wanted a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But now we gave them the tools they don't, they like, well, I don't want them doing that. Yeah. And it's like everything we do is just like, they just, it's just like magnets on a board. I push this way, you push back that way. Like they're never going to meet you in the no. middle and say, no. great job, sir. We're totally on board with everything you're doing. They, they, they'll just come back again. And so I want to, you know, no matter what we talked about here tonight, you know, and trying to help maybe some clarify some of these, you know, points or positions, you got to have the command and you know, got the support. Right. to try to do these because if you don't and if you don't, you're not trying to make that happen then you're just going to be in a position where there's they're just going to come at, keep coming after you and I, and I think that's why there's a huge exodus out of law enforcement sure and then if you're not leaving law enforcement there's a huge exodus from these states that are have been appeasing these people for a long time and even appeasing them more and, and, and you're right you, there's the the lack of bold Manly leadership is it's hard to find it now and that, and that's what's sad is is we're cowering down to organizations and thoughts and idea the good ideal fairy from from people and not even standing on what we have always stood on those that we stand on what is right and I know these three men, right? Uh, us, uh, these two men and me. That's what we have dedicated our lives to, and and that's what we're willing to die for. I mean, I didn't become a police officer to to look cool all the time and 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 do all this. I realize one of the inherent dangers of this job is I might lose my life. My family realizes that. Do I want to? No, but ultimately, I know that's that's kind of the um, part of the job that is just part of the job and you have to be okay with that to, to, to realize that because I get tired of the argument of like we were just talking about earlier. Well, it's all about your safety. It's all about your safety, but yet we'll send guys out here to go make traffic stops for tickets. So if you want to make traffic stops for tickets, then mandate that 
everybody rides two men because we know statistically. And if you want to go fight somebody, I'd rather have two people than one person one on one. But yet we don't mandate that. But we want these guys to go out and stop traffic. We want these guys to answer calls uh, for domestic violence. But we don't mandate that they show up two at a time and four at a time. Now you got two units there because. Once again, oh, we got manpower issues, we got overtime issues, we got this and we got that. Well, no, you can't have it both ways. And I think that's what officers get sick and tired of of hearing. And then that argument, oh, oh, for your safety. Well, if it's really for my safety, then why do we do it this way, this way, this way, and this way? Because, oh, wait a minute, because you get pressure from this organization, so now you're going to say, oh, well, for your safety, we're not going to do this. That It's... Well, no one loves a warrior till the enemy's at the gate. Yeah. You know, and I think that's very tr- still applicable today. Yeah. And you, know, you see with the riots and it's like, okay, this, <sighs> is, this is above, it was above everybody. But, you know, yeah. you know we never seen anything like that. No. And, you know, everybody just out there just doing everything they had to do to try to keep the thing from burning down. And a lot of great work by everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, you had... <laughs> You had we had a, you know really young, experienced, inexperienced officers out there hanging out with us, and they're just like, yeah, "Is this?" I'm like, "This is not normal. <laughs> no, <laughs> just relax. No. It's not like this every week. I promise yeah. you." But hey, it's what we're doing with it right now. Yeah, and you know, and they would jump in, you know, kind of just kind of roll with us because obviously we we were just scattered all throughout you know the city, and you know when you guys were down there and you guys were down there, and we were just you know, here, let's go take care of this problem. And it's like now everybody wanted it to, you know, we're the yeah. only major metropolitan the uh, city that didn't lose any life during, yeah. during the riot. I mean, every other one did. Yeah. You talk about major cities. Mm-hmm. I think that goes with, along with, granted, is everything done, you know, was, was it perfect? Was there things could have been done? Sure. But, you know, when they needed people to be experts, when they mm-hmm. needed people to go in there and solve problems, they needed this, and th- that comes from experience yeah. from doing operations. That comes from experience with training. Going, this is what we can do. Yeah. This will work. This won't work. Right. So we're going to we're going to figure this out on the fly. And so I think a lot of that has. But I really believe that. Well, I remember when you called us and you, you you called our lieutenant, and then you called me, and then we show uh, meet y'all. Hell, I'd been on SWAT for fifteen years by then or so. That's the first time I ever seen some shit like that. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, what well, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen? Because you see it in the movies, or not the movies, we see it on TV, and there's always like these skirmish lines, and there's this and that. Yeah, that was like that for a second. Then all of a sudden, it was just like, boom, we're going over here. We're going. We're, we're putting out this fire. We're putting out this. We're putting out that. And it was just all bearcat and, and moving around. Yeah. And after a while, you're like, okay, I get the ebb and flow of this. This is how this is working. Yeah. But it, there was no man. There was no training we went to. They go, okay. When they do this, you're going to do this. It comes back to all all the experience of going. Okay, well, this works. This works. We know angles work. We know, you know, if we take we flank them here, that it's just basic fighting tactics is what you go back to. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those deals where you, no one was prepared that night to go. Okay, we're we're so prepared this way. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it was some crazy it, it was, shit it was going insane. on. It, it was out of control. I mean, it, it, was. it was insane. Well, there's I've never seen a lesson plan. No, you know, for that. No. we were kind of riding them no. as we went, no. oh. and uh, you know, by that by that fourth night, you know, it was like man, like we had done it so much for the first previous night. So like, okay, this is how we're going to do this. this. Is what we're going to do. And, you know, we were just ad hocing, just you know, Dude, doing things. I during, imagine those dudes in Portland. How many uh, nights are they doing in Portland? Well, they, I, all my time on the department, 22 plus years, they've been doing riots up there those whole 22 yeah. years. Yeah. And so how those guys just live with that all the time, that was brutal. And I, and I know, and it's, I mean, it's funny because 
my watch and you know, keep the count of my steps. Mm-hmm. And on the second night, I think I did 180 something percent of, my, of what I was supposed oh, really? to do. That day. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you, you're, you're going to die pretty soon. You yeah. much, you know? yeah. Everybody was just like, I have never done anything like that before. No, you probably, you know, probably never will. Probably, and hope but never every SWAT guy needs a good riot under their belt. And well, we did it. Yeah. 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 And us three, we got, yeah. yeah. We I remember showing up and y'all were there. We're like, Hey, y'all are here. Cause hell, we didn't know who was oh, there. Shit, man. We've been here for like, you guys are late to the party. Yeah. We've been here all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, y'all would have been there sooner, but y'all had your own deal yeah. going on. So, yeah. you know, again, yeah. it, again, it's that training and being able to come in and come together and you have different agencies, different, you know, backgrounds, you know, opt, you know, everything. Yeah. And then coming together with, you know, okay, this is the mission. We got to yeah. solve these problems yeah. and go. And that's what, Police in general solve problems, right? right. It's all, yeah. you know, and people say like firemen going out and putting out fires, what we do. And then as you get more experience and get into different positions, wherever you may be, you may be uh, fixing different sets of problems. Yeah. But when they needed, you know, problems fixed, you know, departments from all around North Texas came together. Yeah. I mean, rookie patrol officers mm-hmm. were out there all the way to 30 year senior leadership out yeah. there in gas masks dealing with it. Yeah. And it didn't really matter what patch you were wearing or what your assignment was. It was just like, we got to go solve problems. Yeah. And again, I, I think that, you know, people don't understand. Unless you were down there, you just can't understand no. that. And, never, and I think it goes back to what we're trying to talk about here tonight. It's like, look, it's never going to be perfect. Mm. You're never going to have where everything just goes away. It is, that is the nature of the beast. No. You know, no. yet at the same time, you, you know, I don't see anybody saying we're not going to go out and do this, you know. It's just like anything else. There is a with anything you do in this business. There's an there's an understood level of risk. Yeah, you try to mitigate that. You try to reduce it down to a the smallest amount. And when the guys that do it and have been consistently doing it for a long time tell you it's this way, and others say no that they're wrong, it's like, well, I don't know who. I don't yeah. never met you. Have no idea what your operational experience is. Mm-hmm. I know what mine is. I know what our guys are. Right. And this is something that I can, you know. And that's what I said in the uh, message. I'm happy to sit down and talk with anybody about it. Yeah. I doubt very seriously they'll take me up on that. But well, I think, well, I think uh, uh, open invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, you know, will. it's one thing too. It's like you look at fire departments. All most of the time now they still have the same thing we would do as far as you add a, the human element into whatever you're doing, and that you you, you have no you don't know what's going to what's going to happen when you add the human element in it. So most of the time a structure fire, there's a science behind the fire. They can tell you how hot this fire burns. They can tell you, "Hey, on this structure this is how it does." This is the I mean there's a lot of science behind that. So they're fighting pretty much the known element for the most part. I'm not making a general statement for for a lot, but for the most part when we're doing our job most of the time it's with the human element that you can't predict. So now you have one human. Okay, let's throw another human on there. Okay, let's throw our humans in here that are doing the police work. And so there's so many things that can go astray or you can't predict. And I think that's part of the the fun in police work that's challenging. And I think that's the other part of that is makes it the the danger and the unknown because you don't know what's going to happen because what that person's going to do. I know what a fire is going to do. Well, but I you, don't know what these people are going to do. You know, the one, you know, changing variable is the human. Yep. Right. You know, and you just, you know, how many traffic stops have you done? Well, they all pretty much go the same. Then there's that one. That yeah. They run from you. They fight. They, whatever. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, what made him different than this one? He's human. Yeah. You can't, again, you're never going to be able to solve that conundrum because if they, if they could have, they'd already done it. Yeah. Or you have a traffic stop, the same exact place, 
but four different times during the day. And it's going to be different every time. You might get the sun in your eyes this time. You might get the bus stopping right here. The next time it's going to be dark, so it's going to look different. Even though it's the same car, the same suspect, but all four of those traffic stops are going to be uniquely to in and of itself. Yeah. So That's I think what happens. So I think you guys here agree that we could talk about this all night long, right? Oh, we're not. I mean, oh, you're you not going to get our 990 pajamas and, well, you know, I mean, well, that's later. Yeah. But so the thing is, this is a very touchy topic, sure. right? Everybody's yeah. kind of tied in, bought in, and hills, or hills are dug in on this. And again, tact, you know, talking tactics um, is like politics and religion. You guys have what works, and we're bought in on our tactic, right? I, I, I hope tonight the conversation opens some eyes about some things, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, no-knock and the mm-hmm. uh, knock-and-announce exceptions. Um, hopefully, the non-LE listeners have a better understanding of of what it is that we do and all the effort that goes into planning and operational and, and things that we do. Um, any final last words, Brandon? And then I'll, I'll let Matt, any final last words? Any, any more good quotes or something you got there <laughs> in, your, in your stack of notes? No, I think for me, Anybody that knows me knows how passionate I am about SWAT and about police work and about what we do and, and training. And, and I think for me, I hate to just give blanket statements to say, well, this is no knocks are bad or no knocks are, you know, they're, they're flawed at their very core. I think that's just, it's a dangerous, irresponsible statement to say, but I think it's a good thing to have conversations about it. If you're, if, if you're going to have one way or the other, let me hear your side. Let me hear who you are. Tell me about, tell me about your experiences. Okay. Hey, they're very valid. That's your experience. Um, and I, and I think it comes back down to like TTPOA. We're a training organization. That's what we do. We put out training. We're not a legal organization. We don't interpret the law. We don't do any of that. We, we go back to training. Now, obviously, if something gets outlawed, that, hey, we can't do anything anymore, okay, then we can't teach whatever we used to be able to teach because of the law changes. To, you know, that that's ex- acceptable and stuff. But I, and, and I think it's, and it's not about any organization versus any organization or, you know, this one's terrible and, and all that. For me, it's just the way this read and, and, and it wasn't, very clear uh, and it didn't give the whole story and I think that's what was that's really what set wrong in my crawl uh, because I could go back to you can't give the enemy the ammo to use against us when we're righteous <clears throat> when we're righteous in what we did and I think that's the whole thing I had an issue with it's in and of itself right there as far as who said it who I, I don't I don't really care but it was just the way it was presented was just not responsible in my opinion so Matt, what you got? I'd just like to say that you would hope that politics wouldn't drive policy. Yep. You'd hope that data would do it. Uh, I think that when data is convenient, it's quoted and people use it, you know, <laughs> and when it's not, they, they, they come back with either a flawed version or a misrepresentation of it or just a blanket statement like you're talking about. I'd like to think that people would look at everything and say, before a, a decision is rendered, let me look at the data to support it one way or another. Mm-hmm. And because if, if you say we're going to do something, whether it be take away or add to, you need to have justification for that as well. Yep. And so I would like to see that, you know, departments be, be accountable to themselves, make good based so or make good decisions based in science and data and 
and be logistically sound in what you can accomplish. And then going forward, say, maybe we need to change this. Maybe we ought to tweak this, do this, do that. Maybe this is something that the TTPA can do and help, you know, going forward as far as, you know, uh, not telling them how to do it, but helping them to assess their abilities, mm-hmm. you know, and just, again, anybody can come in here and gripe about yeah. a problem. That's not hard. You can find anybody to do that. Come in here with solutions. Come in here with the things that we can do better. You say, hey, this, you know, if anybody wants to come in here and talk about data or talk about this, we're, we're happy to do it. I am. Yeah. I'm Anytime, let me know. Yeah. But at the same time, what can we do for the people out there that are kind of caught in between? They're not the big city. They're not the smallest mm-hmm. ones. They're kind of in between. We do a little bit. We need to do a little, what can we do differently? Yeah. And uh, that's something that maybe we, you know, as a, as a community can do better because this is not going to go away no. one way or another. It's going mm-hmm. to be. And the thing is, and that's fine. If they want to talk about it, we can discuss it. But again, be sound in your facts and your data before rendering your decision. And then as, as we will always do, we will adjust try to make the best out of it and come back even stronger the next day. So yeah. I think we can get that done. We, then we can do a service to everybody. No. Yep. And I don't have anything to say. I can't top either one of you guys, but uh, for the listeners out there, um, listen to this podcast, hit us well, up on, listen to the podcast, <laughs> hit us up on Instagram. Let us know, uh, give us some feedback on this. I know you guys have opinions on this. Yeah, uh, please do. Uh, the TTPOA uh, Instagram or the Region 7 Instagram. Go ahead and uh, leave your comments and uh, hit us up. You guys stay safe. Train hard. Train hard, guys.